What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. But a call! Who that Abe? Did you lose your voice today or what? Uh, no, guy. I'm a neutral... Uh, I mean, I had money on the Niners, so I was fucking hooting and hollering for sure. I mean, that was game of the, hashtag game of the year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially given, I think we looked at both those teams coming in, like they are two of the five teams that we think can win the Super Bowl this year. So, yeah. I mean, it was incredible. It was The first half had more touchdowns than incompletions. That was a hell of a stat. Easily, like the second half was clearly awesome. But the first half, given just at the – in the speed in which it was going – and the and the points and it 28-27 at halftime. God, I don't know. Again, I'm trying not to overreact or I I don't really live in the past. I fucking barely remember two weeks ago. I don't know if I've ever seen a first half of like a super super high level game in the NFL 28-27 that I felt like was still a high level game. That it, yeah, that it wasn't cheap, right? That it wasn't some mid level Big Twelve football game. Yeah, to me, I've I've never watched an NFL game that had a Big Twelve score, and that's what forty eight forty six in the NFL would probably be the equivalent in the NFL of what like or I mean college sixty eight to sixty four. Yeah, yeah, almost seventies. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that I, that was as violent as that game. I just that was it was game of the year. It just I don't think it will be topped because when you factor in the points. The, the teams, like it, it wasn't like just random like Jags, Titans or something, right? So it's two, two of the best teams in the league, obviously two of the best teams in the NFC, fighting for home field in New Orleans. Doesn't it feel like God just wants football, big-time games to be played in Louisiana? Well, I've always been a proponent of outdoor football games, but I got to tell you, some, like that game... Some of the set, the Saturday college football games, I guess, which of those games were indoors? Yeah, to me, the, the SEC championship game. Yes, yeah, see, I, I'm a believer of that, like that, the night Big Ten game, Ohio State, Wisconsin. I think part of the reason that looks so sweet in there is because we've seen a lot of sweet games over the years, Peyton Manning in that place. Like that, that to me signifies sweet games. 
I I'm a I'm a fan of indoor games when it's good teams, just because it it can get a little more explosive, you know. Yeah, point-wise. it feels like it's smaller, right? It feels tighter. Yeah, it feels cr- like it's crazy. Basketball game at Duke. That was fucking badass. That that was. That was sweet. Felt like there were a lot of red there in the seats there, guy. Well, you could hear when Robbie Golden made the field goal. There was a lot of cheering. I think it speaks also to the household income of the 49er fan base because as we checked, on, I think on Friday, if SeatGeek going into that Superdome game, there weren't many cheap seats. <laughs> you know, There were not cheap seats. And a lot of people that were, I, I saw all the Niners, You know, I know Dickinson texts me, he's flying out to New Orleans yesterday. Says his mm-hmm. flight was packed with Niner fans. I think a lot of people flew out. So you're talking about a flight. You're talking about a you know expensive ticket. It's just it's expensive. Yeah. I'm sure you saw Rovell tweet about the about all the conference championship games. All four of them were like between thirty and sixty bucks to get in. And then the SEC championship game was like the cheapest price, like two hundred fifty dollars to get in. That, yeah. That's what it was like today. It felt like just it just means more down there. Uh, let's dive into it, John. Before we do, though, let's tell the people this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Oh. Offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels so you don't slice and dice like your Breeze and Garoppolo. <laughs> That's why I got my Lawnmower 2.0, guy. Just go to manscaped.com, get the Lawnmower 2.0, the best ball trimmer in the country. It does not get any better domestically. Probably... Uh, worldwide as well. But I just can speak for domestically, manscaped.com. Hell, they might deliver in Australia, wherever. But promo code HAM, get yourself a little 20% off, Lawnmower 2.0. It's elite, guy. I have one, you have one. Ball trimmer, body trimmer. I, I, sometimes I get some hairs on my back, you get a little trim trim. It just, it, no nicks, no cuts. USB, a little, uh, you know, a little charger. It's hard to beat. It, it really is. It's actually never been beat of anyone that I've ever owned, to be honest with you. That is the uh, skin-safe technology, John. That's right. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code HAM at manscaped.com. You think 20% Bra- off. You think Brady's going to manscaped after his latest loss? Promo code HAM. You don't think he already is uh, weekly? Yeah, maybe in the winter months in New England, you know, you grow it out, but now he might need to mix it up. Manscaped.com, promo code HAM, 20% off. Uh, there you go. Done. You know and it. Seat Geek. Seat Geek. I, I told you before, I think, uh, you know, tickets, what a great uh, thing to give in the holiday season, whether you got a bunch of games or things you want to go to. But I think tickets is an awesome gift to whatever a loved one loves, games, concerts, etc. Seat Geek's the way to go. Ten bucks off promo code HAM. That's a genius, guy. There is no better time to give your loved one something kind of cool and do it based on a gift that we're, you know, Haberman Middlecoff forgot to give you. Download the SeatGeek app, check around whatever your loved one, whatever your brother, whatever your dad might maybe want to go see a game, want to go see a concert. Did you go check out Trevor Noah last night at the uh, at the Chase Center? I could have seen the Haberman's front row screaming for Trevor Noah. No. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't have paid me to attend. But maybe that's your cup of tea if you're listening, and you promo code HAM next time he comes by. Wherever you want to go, because any event, they got you covered. SeatGeek promo code HAM, $10 off. Trust me, it helps. Yep, it does. It does help. All right, uh, let's get into this. Niners Saints. You know, here's how significant what the Niners did was on Sunday. 46 points is the most points the Saints have ever scored in a loss. 
In the history of the franchise. In the history of the franchise. Okay. They had a lot of lean years. Yeah, but they've had a lot of years with Drew Brees and Sean Payton where they just go score 46 points. Yeah, right. 42 points. I mean, that's like they are used to scoring a bunch of points. They're just not used to losing when they do. If I would have told you, if I would have texted you at 930, I'd have been like, you know, the football gods just sent me a text. All they told me was the Saints are going to score 46 points today. What percent chance would you have given the Niners to win? Zero? I would have said, yeah, I would have said, well, the 34 points the Niners are going to score just ain't going to be enough. If you would have told me they were going to score 46 points, I'd have been like, well, you know, if you go 12 and 4, maybe one of the games you get blown out 46 to 10 or whatever. <laughs> Here's the other thing. I would have thought, like, God, Jimmy throws a pick six. Damn, that sucks. Yeah, I would have thought it would have been pretty ugly. And it's, it's the least ugly 46 point give up game in the history of 46 point games, right? I, I've just. I've never seen a game, maybe that Rams Chief game, but I have to go rewatch that because there were a bunch of defensive touchdowns in that game, if you remember. I think the Chiefs had two and the Rams had one. That's right. There were. So it's like, because everyone was saying, like, the offense, but people and people that were trying to justify, like, the game actually, there were just multiple defensive scores. There were no defensive scores. Now, there were a pick that led to a score, some special teams that led to scores, but for the most part, didn't it feel like it was just elite fucking offense? On both sides? Yes. Really probably more... Like, I felt like the Niners early on, definitely in the first half, had to manipulate it a little more. Just crazy ass, like, juice running the option, end arounds, pitches, double passes, where the, where the Saints were just kind of running their offense slash game planning for weaknesses. Like, they knew the safety play was going to be hit or miss, and they were sending Jared Cook just down the middle. That was a big concussion, too. Now, I guess at the end of the day, it didn't matter that much because they still scored 46 points, but he was fucking yeah. killing them. I, you know, that was a play. I'm, I got to see it in real speed. I kind of thought it was not a catch. I didn't think he completed the process going to the ground, but maybe it was. Blandino thought it was. I didn't have a big issue with it. I also think it's a loophole that you can commit a personal foul in the end zone and prevent a touchdown. <laughs> that is kind of a loophole, right? No, I mean, there's no way to close that loophole. It's just, it's, it's just worth committing a personal well, foul. See, so you zone. don't think like the moment you hit the ground, touch, and you're down, you're completed the catch? See, I, I think no. that's over. No, that's not the rule. Yeah. To Especially me. because he's airborne making the catch. So you have to survive the ground. That's but the, he might have survived the ground long enough anyway. It's, it was hard to tell in slow-mo. Yeah, to me it was a touchdown. So that that's always throws me off because I think of when you already have possession, like a Drew Brees, and he lifts the ball over, all he has to do is crack the play and then the ball can come loose because he has control. Technically, yeah. he doesn't have "quote unquote" control of the ball because he's in the process of catching it. Right. It was close. So it was close. Yeah, it was close, and I, it, I was fine with it being a touchdown. But it's one of those that, was that a big clearly play. probably wasn't going to get overturned. Right? They were yeah. going to go with the call yeah. on the field. That was a huge play. That was a huge play. There, there were a couple plays. That one, and then the one to use check where you know they were called the personal fouls, and clearly the guys aren't going for the head. Right? It's just the bodies are moving at warp speed. There's not much you can do. I thought the one on Cook was a worse hit. That one was clearly like, I just got to go break this play up. Whereas Juszczyk was just like, Jimmy was trying but, to, Jimmy was looking like Montana against the Cowboys. Yeah, but there's guy, there's nothing wrong with trying to break a play up. You don't, you're not trying to hit the guy in yeah, the head. Yeah, yeah. I just, just thought that, no, but that play was to me more of a personal foul, forcible contact to the head. Whereas Juszczyk was like, you got lucky. Just got weird, yeah. So, and he popped up after that play too, kind of after a little he bit, grabbed yeah. his head <laughs> a little bit. with the, both hands. The way he freaked out, you thought like CT. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It didn't look good, but yeah, it was just it. 
It was easily, of all the high-scoring games I've ever seen in my life, as violent of a game. And it's one of those where you have to watch, because typically it's hard to have a high-scoring game like that and maintain the violence. And I thought it was a borderline body bag game. I mean, we, we had Richburg, who's clear, probably lost for the year. You got Cook got knocked the fuck out. You had Juszczyk knocked the fuck out. You just Sherman every other play going down. You just had guys going down. And not just like they're kind of limping. That was a physical game. Because the Saints, as you can tell, like, I don't think most, I tweeted this during the game, I don't think most Niner fans quite understand how good the Saints are. Like, they got really sweet players at every position. Like, Latavius Murray, I think if you said to the average fan, now I guess the average fan might play fantasy, so they're kind of keeping an eye on him. He's dramatically better than he was like three or four years ago. Like, he's a real NFL player. If he has to be your starting running back for a month stretch, you're in good shape. And then as you see, like, the guys the Niners are rolling out, Mozart is just running people over. It's just a physical... Well, Kamara... Well, they had three straight... They had three carries where it was like, here's Mostert's first carry, 15 yards. Here's Brita in the game, 19 yards. Even Kamara, I think Charles Davis said it on the broadcast, he's like, you look at him, you think he's small, but he is 215-ish pounds. That was a bit... Kamara trying to go up over somebody in the secondary on, like, the end of a 12-yard carry. I mean, Bosa went out. He was there. Was the brief injury report where Pam Oliver said Bosa's name freaked everybody out, and then he came back. Well, you, you texted me, and I completely agree. And I would imagine most people do. Every time they're like, "Let's go to Pam," like, "Oh my God, who are they going to say?" And you're like, "Please don't say Kittle. Please don't say Kittle." And then they'd be like, "Oh, they're just checking on Marcus Davenport." You're like, oh, thank God. It, it, but even like, you just didn't know who they were going to say because at any moment they could be like. It looks like Michael Thomas has lost a hand. You know, it was, it was that type of game. It looks like well, Nick Bosa has broken his leg. Oh, didn't Richburg look like Kittle for a minute when they were using the little spider camera? No, see, I, I thought it was not Kittle, but either Charles Davis or Kevin Burkhart drops a, wow, is that Kittle? Oh, okay, no. I was like, you can't That's do right. that. Yeah, you I, can't say I that. I said it watching him. <laughs> You can't say, is that Kittle? And everyone, everyone's heart drops in their fucking We go to commercial chest. break. We'll let you know when we come back. <laughs> yeah. What a tease there. I think one thing is clear, John. One of the best acquisitions, free agent or otherwise, this season was Emmanuel Sanders for any team, right? Like, he was – he is their number one receiver. Now, I know they're talking about – I heard him say a couple times, Debo Samuel playing like a number one. But to me, Emmanuel's the number one – I mean, outside of Kittle – Emmanuel Sanders has been. Did you uh, did you tweet mid game? It was like a baseball trade that just worked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's you. You agree? You don't see that very much in football. No, he's that's like when the Brewers got CC Sabathia. <laughs> yeah, because what would they be without him? I mean, they'd still be okay. Because actually, Kendrick Bourne kind of growing on me, and I I don't know where I thought he was from. I I must have assumed like Iowa State or something random like that. But when he said Eastern, didn't you call an Eastern Washington game? Did you call a Kendrick Bourne yeah, game? Yeah, no, he was gone by then. But he was on the really good Eastern Washington teams with Cooper Cup. God, they had to be really freaking good. Who was covering they those were. two guys? Nobody. <laughs> what a what a wide receiving FBS. Is it FCS or FBS? FCS. Can you imagine, like, yeah, we just got Kendrick Bourne and Cooper Cup. Good luck. Jesus Christ. Because... After the one game against Seattle where it's like, God, they're dependent on this guy Kendrick Bourne too much, I think the more you watch him, you go, well, he's physical as shit. You know, good teams usually get a guy like him to kind of develop into, yeah, you don't want him to be like your one, but if he's just like your, you know, your three-ish guy, 
He's physical. He can make plays in traffic. He's a big body. He he ain't scared. Like that was a game where th- there was no place today for anyone that was going to shrivel. And that would be my one takeaway. If I obviously if I'm Kyle because I won, but even if I'm Sean Payton, now maybe they know this. I mean they've been in bigger games before the Niners, but I I don't think you leave that game and think anyone flinched. Any side, <laughs> any player. No, <laughs> you know. Had you had you reached the conclusion that was a like? that was a war zone game today? I felt like, which is weird well, to did, say because it's usually low scoring games. But Jesus, were you going to feel like if you know once the Saints scored and took the lead and we both texted each other? I was like, I wouldn't have scored so fast, and you texted me three timeouts left. Um, but would you have walked out of that feeling I, like if Sean Payton could do it over, he would have told him to probably hit the ground at the one, right? Yeah. Would you? But would you have walked out of there feeling okay about the Niners if they had lost that game like that? Well, it would have been a probably a double-edged sword there because on one side, you'd be like, listen, they've had back-to-back weeks against two teams that are fucking unreal, and it's like they got into the, to the ring with Mike Tyson and were unfazed by getting hit, and they were throwing blows back. And the counter would have been like, yeah, I mean, that's that's cool to say. That shit plays in Twitter and, you know, plays, you know... Doesn't play in the NFL. It's as all the coaches will tell you. This is just bottom line. You either win or you lose. And when you're in these tight games, it would have really stung. Like that to me had a Harbaugh type feel to it. Now Harbaugh's games look different than that, but part of what made Harbaugh immediate legend is like year one he was in these games. Again, his game, the equivalent of that game for Harbaugh would have been like the final score would have been like 19 to 17. But it just when all the dust settled, when all the crazy shit happened. And the clocks hit double zero. His team typically had more points than the other team. And then they just kept stacking that up over a three-year run. And if you think about, like, we'll talk about the Patriots. What's weird watching the Patriots is usually when all the dust settles, crazy shit happen, calls going against them, injuries, touchdowns, you just have more points. You just find a fucking way to win. It's a bottom-line business. You either win or you lose. And today, like, that's what makes Kyle Shanahan... You know, I think he's going to be viewed when this season ends as one of the best coaches in the league because he's winning these games. Well, so a couple or, things. Or one, at least one this game. He's been in three, right, just war zone games. But to me, you win one. You're in them. You win. Like, I, I'm watching. I don't feel any different about the Niners now than I did with 50 seconds left in that game when they were trailing in terms of what I think they can do. But it does matter in terms of you watch the game going and you don't want to go back there. Like, the one seed is going to matter. Home field is going to matter. Um but, like, to your point on Kyle, you know, I think a lot of times we talk about these Coach of the Year awards and it's like, how, on paper, how do you justify it? Right? Like, how do I, like, how many games did you win last year? How good is your team this year? Who else out there has dealt with adversity? But I just know when I watch him, he's one of the best coaches in the NFL. So he's a, co- he, he is a Coach of the Year candidate. Yeah, but Pete's do, they're doing more with less than Seattle. Yeah, I think he's a better, he's one of the best coaches. Like, he just is. So whatever that means, it means he's one of the best coaches in the league. He could be the coach to me. He could be the coach of the year in the NFL. Why not? Well, I, I, watch I, I him think and what I go, makes that guy's you feel good toe to toe with Sean Payton. Well, I think what makes you feel good today is you go, why in like 15 years couldn't he be viewed as like Sean Payton? Like he has that type in him. Like you're going to lose some of those games, you're going to win some of them, but yeah. clearly he has a chance to be a special, special elite coach. With one, he's really aggressive. Two. One thing I look for, and you you tweet a Sean, one thing that's key with a coach, I think, and if you think about the best coaches in the league, obviously Bill is the ultimate flatliner. 
How often do you see Andy Reid freak out? Even Peyton, he whines a lot, but like he's more whining at a call on special teams. He doesn't get caught up like if it's in the flow of his play calling. Like he doesn't let it throw him off. That was one kind of knock on Harbaugh. Sometimes his emotions would be like, Jim, we're three plays later. Like you kind of got to, and you, it used to be kind right. of a knock on Pat Hill. Like he just loses emotion. You, if the players feel it on the sideline, that's a Fresno State, you know, probably mid 2000s reference. But like Kyle's pretty even keel guy, you know, Andy, even keel guy, even Sean Payton can, can flip it right back really fast and just get back to even keel. And I would say, I would imagine many Saints players say this, our most even keel human is Drew, which kind of balances even him crazy out a little bit. Where where I, where I think Jimmy Jimmy's a little more up and or I mean Jimmy actually they're both pretty even keel, but you know Pete like that's that's a huge advantage I you know I'm I'm everyone's kind of shitting on Sean McVay and this game's about to get going now but he's that's a huge attribute he has right right so to me having that and then being just a brilliant play caller and yeah just he's fucking an elite play caller there's just no way around it. Like, to, you what could you argue today. This? I thought today, like, he got the better of Sean. And last week, there were some moments that kind of, in his two losses, Kyle had some moments that cost them the game, right? In, in the Seattle game, I understood why he did it. He's playing for the win. But having a tie right now, I would not have played for the tie. But I did understand the argument. Having a tie right now is better than the loss. And the way he played it at the end of that overtime fucked him. Last week, takes the timeouts with him to the end of the half. Just did some weird shit. Today, Kyle didn't do any weird shit. Kyle was on point, And really, I thought Sean Payton was the guy that has the blemishes on today. That's part of being a coach. Part of being in these yeah. games, sometimes your decisions don't work. But it was it was Sean Payton today that got the red flags, not Kyle. Maybe it's results-based. But you and I, I think everybody, after the Saints' second touchdown, they go for two. Because they had the half the distance. It was after the Jared Cook touchdown. They took half the distance and went for two to try and make it 15 So you just seven. you just go from the two to the one, right, where they place the ball. That's all that happens. Which to me is fine if you're going to sneak it. Like, if you're going to sneak it there, okay. But if you're going to run the play they ran, I, I, I don't – I know you're trying to outsmart them because everyone thinks you're going to sneak it. So because of that, they had to go for two at the end of the game. And instead of going up by three, they don't get it. They're up by one. A field goal beats them. Now, the, the counter to that would be, well, if they had gotten that first two-pointer – uh, then they couldn't have got, if they had gotten that first two pointer, then an extra point would have given them a four point lead at the end of the game, and a field goal wouldn't have tied them. But I just don't. That's but that's one, not right? what he was like, thinking about. He was strictly no. thinking about my, my issue with that call is he was gonna kick a field goal, and then they get extra one point. yard, so he kicks or excuse me, the extra point. So then he puts on to me. If you were gonna run the two pointer for whatever reason there, and they just moved it up a yard, nothing really would have changed. And I, I can understand running the east to west play. But when you just get moved up a yard, so you're like, oh, screw it, let's go for two. And then you run a play where he's basically running to the pylon. I was like, well, I mean, this is one of the all-time great play callers, but that was a bad move. But And we, the move, we saw when, when they had to do a sneak later how easy it was for him. Well, beside Tom Brady, isn't he the greatest sneaker of all time with that with that little ball thing? He's been doing mm-hmm. it for fucking his whole career. He, it's, it's what makes, like, Tom just dives over because he's 6'6". Drew's six feet tall. So his his release with the ball is like a kind of a signature move for Drew Brees. But to me, the punt guy in the second half, when I think they're down two points, 
at midfield, the 49ers offense had stalled like back-to-back drives. Clearly, the Saints were kind of feeling themselves. The crowd was into it. That, to me, was... Like, I I get the two-pointer. You know, it's like, he ain't the first coach to do the early two-pointers. It's much more in vogue now. It's really not that crazy. It's easier, like you said, right, to nitpick because we're results-oriented at the end of the game. But that going for two on the... Or, I mean, going for the punt, what the fuck were you doing that for? And and then when it comes down to you basically just have the one guy running a go-route, which he's getting blocked, I, I... I hated that call, and it clearly was a disaster for them. Yeah, and I hate the, the you're saying you hate the call to go for, it and you hate the play call itself. If to, if there to is me, no I just I just pass interference, kick the kick the punt. I could if I could face guard you all the way down the field, basically because I'm blocking you because it's allowed. What's the point? Well, because is it wasn't your first reaction was play. like, oh, that is pi, and then you realize what's well, a fucking punt? They're allowed well, to shove them out of ever, bounds the whole time. You don't really see much. I would say you don't see it. You've charted special teams in the NFL. You don't see a lot of separation from those gunners in those. Well, guy, you're literally allowed to grab them and shove them out of bounds. You notice how that's there's no penalties on that. Like the the gunner usually gets thrown out of bounds and works his way back in. It's just part of the play. So when you rewatch it from yeah, he's it's a punt. That guy's just making normal. He's doing exactly what he's coached to do. Grab that guy and fucking shove him out of bounds. Sean Payton's freaking out like, bro, that wasn't third and eighteen. That's a punt. That guy. And then everyone's like, he's face guarding him. Yeah, because he thinks the fucking ball's punted. Like, what do you mean he's face guarding? He's told to shove that guy into the ground. He, I, honestly, that guy, to me, should get like the game ball. I wonder like, if he turned around, if he even realized it was a pass coming towards his head. Or how would he have, though? You, you wouldn't even be, because you're so far down the field, it wouldn't even make like, sense to him. You could argue if he knows the ball's in the air, he might try to get out of the way. Like, oh, I'm not supposed to touch this. It's like, no, dude, that's a pass. It's pretty, I don't know what he can hear. Si- was that the Saints sideline he was running down? Uh, or the Niners sideline? I think it was the Niners, but... People are probably yelling pass, 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 or fake, 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 fake. But still, I don't know. You feel like you must You're be way down the island. field. What do, you think of their u- what do you think of their use of that guy, Taysom Hill? Feels like they get a little... Like he kicks ass. I'm, I'm a fan of him. But there were a couple times where it's like, well, you're going to take him off the field for Drew? Yeah, I've watched him a few times. I mean, I've watched the Saints a lot. I I feel like I see Taysom Hill just make a ton of plays. Well, like, I never big time because I my thought honestly when he came in the game earlier was like God, they do such a good job. Why do I feel like I'm not watching a team that's fucking with its quarterback when they do this? When most teams feel like they're messing with their quarterback when they well do was this. it was it like uh, the first drive of the game or was it the second drive of the game when they put Jimmy Garoppolo at wide receiver and go wildcat with Richie James like yeah. guys. Let's, let's, Richie James is reading the edge. Yeah, let's. Uh, this this ain't Taysom Hill. I, I get you're jealous of this BYU 34 year old over here that's trucking guys on gut runs. Because the other thing, they were didn't they run him on like an ISO play at one point in time? And he trucked uh, Greenlaw. I was like, God damn, Taysom Hill is not fucking around. How about Charles Davis? The second the Niners ran that use check pitch play, going like the Saints ran this play two years ago. I wonder if he knew it was coming or if he maybe he'd done the game previously. The the part I loved about that play was they have this guy going in motion, running like a hat. Was it Emmanuel Sanders? Who was that running? The old arena football, John, you call that uh, deep motion where you're running around behind the play. Kind of like, a, like a rainbow. Yeah. I was like, this play is awesome. That play is and then sweet. It goes to, they had a bunch of uh, – the, the Emmanuel Sanders touchdown throw to Mostert, first of all, the play looked dead in the water. Turns out Emmanuel's got a pretty good arm. Then he throws off his back foot. Then Mostert has to kind of turn around and backpedal and make the play. 
Where would you, where him. would you rank Raheem Mostert best third best third running back you've ever seen? Like he got he's, he's a third, third running string running back. Is he? I mean, I, I didn't. I don't feel like I saw Tevin Coleman until the second half. Yeah, I mean, on paper, he's the third stringer. When the season started, legit third stringer. That's as good as of a third stringer as you'll ever find. If you're telling me that guy can't start on like 10 teams, you're crazy. Because he can. Because that's the one thing. He doesn't just run it. He can catch the fucking ball. And then he runs people over. That that was one of those plays where on the double pass, where you thought, oh my God, he's too open when he was going to catch it. Like he's going to drop this. It's just too, it's one of those just bread basket catch it and just go down and make sure you get the 40 yards. But then he turns up, he gets up field. Game was just, you know, you just don't get those very often. I mean, we, I, I feel like we've had two in the last three years. Rams, Chiefs, and that. <laughs> Rams, Chiefs was a little different, but still, it, you felt like, God damn, I'm watching something pretty historic right now. How about Niners, Saints, like uh, Shanahan's first year? I mean, sorry, Niners, Rams. Yeah, but that was Hoyer. That would be the one thing I'd say. <laughs> how about Mullins versus the Raiders? Like, how, how would you compare this game to what the Monday Night Football game was three or four weeks ago when they played Seattle. This better game? Uh, I Yeah, I mean, that, that, too, that, that Seahawks game was great. and To me, that game almost felt just like, like a more, it, as crazy as this sounds, a more normal NFL game. I just don't know how many teams, like, can the Seahawks play in the game the Niners just played with the Saints? I texted you that after the game. Can the Seahawks play a game as well as the Saints just played offensively? Uh, no, they're not that explosive. That's, you know, they're just not. I mean, they're just, it's not really their deal. You know? So, that's where I think that first, the Niners-Seahawks game is a little more typical. Well, because they, they, they just have more weapons. Like, Cook gets a concussion, but he had two touchdowns. You got Taysom Hill who can score touchdowns. You got Michael Thomas who's one of the most dominant players in the league right now. You got fucking Alvin Kamara who, you know, my buddies in the NFL will say, you know, probably it's him or McCaffrey for the most dynamic running backs in the league, not named Saquon. You have Ted Ginn. Say what you want about him. He still runs like a 4-1. They, they got that little fucking returner from a school. I, I've never heard of it, guy. And I thought Charles Davis had a good point. Sheet, uh, sheetrock, whatever the school was called, he's like, how did anyone tackle this guy at Sheetrock University? And Kevin's like, I can't imagine many did. But do you think it's a is it, is it a big construction school? Sheetrock. <laughs> well, I just I just don't know. I don't even know what to call it. You know, I don't. Well, I looked it up. He's he one year he had eight return touchdowns, and for his career he had fourteen. What was it like Division three? It's a D two school. Because uh, to me, I don't remember to the, me, I didn't you, really look at the name of it. You assumption college. Yeah, you Sorry, you I've wa- heard that name before. you watch him and you go. This guy is hauling ass for NFL. Like, you know, you just put him on an NFL field. He's clearly the fastest guy on it. In Division Two, guy, I mean, guy, Division Two has a lot of people that look like me and you. How Why could anyone happen? have touched this guy? How did it not one point someone get wind? Someone be like, bro, you want to transfer to, I, I don't know, like Nevada, you know, Fresno or UCF or one of those schools? It's pretty crazy. I, this guy lasted at Assumption for multiple years. I thought maybe it was a JC guy. I'm gonna have to ask about him. I'm fascinated by his story. I because he, he's a difference uh, maker. I thought early in the game the Niners just couldn't. You can't keep kicking to him, but they did a really good job of covering him. Well, what do you do then? You pooch kick it, like yeah, kick it right down the middle of the or punt. I mean, punt out of bounds. Just like don't even yeah, punt, punt it, it out of bounds. They kept punting sure. to him. They kept kicking it to him. 
And they did a really good – their coverage units were really well, like, do you, really you good. You notice the Niners took the opposite approach? Like, you, are you just going to stand at the five-yard line and let this thing fly over your head? Because he catches it, like, inside the five, and then he runs it out. Like, Richie, what are you doing? You move back. Well, at least catch it and then down it. I, I, I don't like that approach. But I'm not going to nitpick the special teams after a win. But still, like, did you notice that? The, the game, he just stood there, like, the two-yard line and let it fly right over his head. Th- that was – that's uh, not the Saints' approach. Luckily, I got another- luckily, the Niners, though, as the game went on – and to me, this speaks of like your team depth because their guy's covering kicks. And I think because Mozart plays so much on offense, he's not doing it as much anymore. And now Marcel Harris is playing on defense. Like the, a couple of their core special teamers have now kind of been replaced because they're just starting on offense, basically. That speaks to like you have backup backups that are making plays, which is against that guy, you know, some of those open field tackles, clearly not easy. Right. Impressive. The other thing I I thought you know early in the year there was a lot of talk of you know is DK Metcalf the best or as I heard someone call him last week Decaf Metcalf the best second round receiver I think clearly whatever happens with him in his career Debo Samuel is just a great fit for the 49ers Remember we saw Debo in camp like rookie minicamp was like look at the just look at the ass on that guy look at the leg like he's just he's a physical player he does not play like a rookie first of all and they clearly Kyle had an idea like you just look at him and go Kyle knew what he was going to do with him when he drafted him football right? what would you say football and like uh the only place in America where you can talk about someone's ass being big and it's a compliment probably like a rebounder basketball maybe yeah so probably just sports in general is the one place where it's like it's open season on just big asses being a good thing men's sports yeah and yeah I mean he's just he's a fucking beast because do you know what the Niners desperately need? And they've got it with Emmanuel Sanders a little bit too. But Debo's taken it to another level. Is a guy to go across the middle and, and make big plays. Because is Dante Pettis on this team next year? You know, probably not. Now, you could argue like, well, no one's trading for him. And you probably aren't going to cut him. Though, you'd say if anyone's going to cut him, it'd be a guy with the juice of Kyle now that'd just be like, yeah, we fucked up, move on. Because that's a little Belichickian, right? I'm not anti-cutting him. If you don't want him around anymore, I'm all for sunk, you know, don't hold on to a sunk cost because he's, Kendrick Bourne's in a different world than him. Debo's in a different world than him. Now, Emmanuel Sanders is a free agent. And this is where it gets tough. Like, we'll see how the season plays out because clearly Debo is going to be a part of this team for a while. I'd say Kendrick Bourne clearly is too. John, I do you I overpay Emmanuel Sanders? I think they're going to resign him. When I like you go back and I I tweeted it today like everyone remembers it. When Kyle Kyle's been trying to get wanting Emmanuel Sanders for 8 years. What was that thing so, you tweeted? Well, just it was the quote when they traded for him like I've been trying to get this guy for 8 years. Yeah. So, they've got him. Like what's the alternative? Draft another receiver, sign somebody else's receiver well, that you think I, is as good as him? Well, I I do think that on a guy like that that's over 30, that has some miles, if you're just doing the Belichickian, you'd be like, well, listen, we want to keep this guy, but here our number is 2 for 15. And if yeah. you know the way this league works, what if the Colts go, well, we'll give you a 3 for 30? Well, that's So to me, though, you're going to have to spend – you're either spending money on another receiver that's not him that's maybe a little younger. But I think we're just seeing now they are so well balanced on offense because he played – with this offense, he's a number one receiver, right? With this offense, he is. With Kyle Shanahan, with Jimmy Garoppolo, he may not be a number one receiver for the Denver Broncos with Drew Locke, but he's a number it's one unique, receiver. It's unique, though, for the because your number one receiver is really your tight end. Right. 
you know? But I just mean they, I, I they've you. got a you. balance of yeah. him. They just they kind of hit. I, I think one thing on that's clear with now. Kyle, you don't necessarily need Julio as long as you got a sweet tight end and a couple functioning wide receivers and the run game's always gonna work, right? You don't need to be like the Texans who just throw it to Hopkins all the time. You actually spread it out. Because the one thing when Jimmy drops back, you don't really know where he's going to throw it, right? Like when when, when I'm watching Mahomie, that's a great nickname. Whenever you see Mahomie drop back, it's like this ball more than likely is going to number 10 or 87. And then you're like, oh, it's going to create what? Sorry, I was interrupting you to say, did State Farm invent that nickname, or was it around before? I think. I mean, his, I think it was it probably just the writer that was writing the deal, like Rogers. You don't and think any of his friends ever called him Mahomie? Maybe, but I, I feel like the first time I ever heard it was State Farm. It Marshall. was same. Yeah. So that's just what I call him now, Mahomie. And yeah, and I, you just feel like you know where he's going to throw it to one of those two guys. When Jimmy, like, oh, he's throwing it to Kendrick Bourne. Oh, he's throwing it to this guy. Oh, he's throwing it to the running back. They part of just beside Kittle, they're just. When you don't have a true like Jerry Rice, Julio, you don't really know where it's going. Kind of works to your benefit, you know. Because every time like Drew Brees dropped back, it's like guys cover fucking Michael Thomas, Richard. I love you, but stop playing so far off this guy. They're throwing to Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas runs like a four six. He is not. He does not run go routes. He just runs little curls, goes across the middle. Michael Thomas plays a lot like George Kittle. Just goes across the middle, makes crazy catches, breaks tackles. Like you watch Michael Thomas. It's easy to say now, like, I can't believe he fell the second round. Well, part of the reason he fell the second round is because he's not Mr. Ex- like, he's hanging his hat on doing shit that's hard to quantify. He can break tackles. He just fucking is fearless. He runs, like, three routes over the middle. Like, his all of his routes, guy, are over the middle. You know? And that's, the I think, one thing that's nice about Debo is he'll run over the middle all day long. Actually, Emmanuel will, too. He had a couple. of was like, yeah, damn. He, this guy's well, crazy. First, the first couple drives, it was... Didn't he have like three catches for 100 yards in like the first three drives? It felt, yeah, he might have. It felt that way. And a touchdown throw. Who got the? Who do you think got the game ball? Uh, Jed. I mean, yeah, Jimmy. Before we get to Jimmy, though, can we talk about Kittle's the play that they were going to show at Kittle's Hall of Fame induction? What was it fourth and five? Uh, was it? Four? I thought it was like fourth, fourth and, and two. Three. Yeah, fourth and two. Did you have faith? He carried. The first guy jumped on him. Just going into that play, did you? Were you like, is this thing going to be extended? Because the two plays before felt a little bit like, ah, oh, this is getting a little dicey. Yeah, after the third down play, two Kittle, two Kittle didn't feel great. Not but, not really that close when you saw the back angle. You're like, whoa. <laughs> but I, to me, you know, you know what? For me, Niners plays, I kind of feel like I know what's going to happen in the first second. Like, is the pocket hole, is someone breaking through the line or not? Because if it's not, Jimmy's going to make a play. Sometimes Jimmy makes plays when it does break down, but obviously. But to me, those, like that play, I remember feeling like in the first half second, the line was holding up. Okay, there's a play to be made here. Because it does feel like if he gets a sec- two seconds, he's throwing it to the, he can make a pretty accurate throw. Is there any player in recent memory that on a fourth and five, whatever the yardage is, if he runs an out route or an in route, that is two or three yards below the line where he has to go, yeah. and he catches it, that you feel more confident that, that that guy will will his way, whether it's running away from a guy, breaking a tackle, carrying a guy, lifting him up, doing whatever it takes to get that line of scrimmage. Because you know when... To turn that corner. When yeah. often with wide receivers, like, how does he not run the, the, the route to the sticks? It happened last week, remember, with Emmanuel Sanders against the Ravens? 
Because we, I remember watching at the bar, and he comes up short. It's like Emmanuel. I don't care if it's a third and fourth. If it's, or I mean, if it's a four yard route, if it's third and five, just make that six yards or five and a half or whatever you got to do. Kittle, it doesn't necessarily matter matter because he will do that. Now that today was the highest level. I mean, he carried three guys for like six Did yards. Did you at any point were you thinking go out of bounds? Uh, no. Just keep running. Yeah, I, I had no problem with. Uh, I, I thought go out of bounds because I thought he was about to get pulled down, but he didn't. You know, he carried those guys for 20, 20 yards. Yeah. 20 plus the face. I, I would have thought that if they had no timeouts, but they did have the timeout. And then once the flag comes out for a split second, I thought, well, can they give that an offensive uh, face mask? But then you could tell. Has there been a more egregious face mask where the player is less phased by it? Because <laughs> usually the guy throws up his arm. Like, are you going to fucking throw the flag? This guy was on. A, I, I think for a split second, Kittle thought he could drag all these guys to the end zone. I think. He, I think <laughs> you're right. Is there a, is there a player in recent memory that got went from like this guy's pretty cool, and it felt like everyone like Twitter and social media just around like NFL sports fans like that's Kittle guy to just being universally. If you just ask like a Patriot fan or a Saints fan or a Seattle fan or a Houston Texans fan. George Kittle, like the first response from all would be like, that guy's a monster, right? He went from that, he question. went from just solid to monster pretty fast. Yeah. I don't want to say he's Gronk's level, but I think like he's created this substance level, like new Gronk that has a lot of like substance behind it where you're like, is this guy the next Gronk? And people don't be like, that's blasphemy. You can't say well, that. Well, you know what nobody says anymore is like, well, there's Kelsey too. But here's the I, I do because I saw the Chiefs tweeted something like best tight end in the league after a Kelsey touchdown, and a bunch of Niner people on my timeline were like, "You can't do this after Kel- after uh, he just you know Kittle had just like ten minutes ago had just made that play." It's like guys, I, I watch a lot of Chiefs football. That motherfucker's pretty good too. Well, I know. You know, like he's. I'm just saying. I feel like last year people felt like they had to include Kelsey when they said anything about Kittle, and now I don't. I think you just say, I think Kittle's the best in the league, and no one says anything. That's what Tony Gonzalez said today. Yeah, he said that today. Howie Longson, I think, is the best in the league, and Tony goes, it's because of what a good blocker he is. Yeah. He, uh... But here's what I think, though. Like, part of being a good blocker, and he's an elite blocker, despite, I think, Gottlieb might have mixed him up with a different player. He's an awesome blocker. Hunter Henry. I think what makes him this all-time special player... Only Gronk in my lifetime. Like, to me, Tony Gonzalez with a ball in his hands turned into, like, a sweet skill guy. Remember how just how fluid he was, how great of an athlete yeah. he was, his routes. When you watch Gronk, and now when you watch Kittle, it's like, they're fucking Shaquille O'Neal. Like, you're in my way. I don't... I, I'm, I'm gonna destroy everybody. It, it's physically... It's like watching a great defensive lineman, right? It's like, Jesus, can you block J.J. Watt? Can you block Khalil Mack? How do you tackle George Kittle? Or how do you Young. tackle? Yeah, it's like, how do you stop this human being? He's unstoppable. I, I think that's what makes him a Pro Bowl level guy to like an all time great. Is that 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 like you said when when he goes in the Hall of Fame? If, now he's a long way from that. You got to sustain this for six or seven years, but. Like, that's a tight play. We're just dragging three guys against the best team in the league on the road with the number one seed in the balance, right? Trying to lead a comeback. Yeah, just with, with – with, you got to add a couple of things to also to the bottom line. Chipped ankles. 
you know, uh, fucked up knee. You kept texting me. I don't even notice because he kind of just limps around now. Like, did you think he was 100% in this game? There was one play where that you caught after the play, you can see him like kind of grabbing his chest and kind of, I don't know, it was weird. No, he's not. And the other factor there with that play is like, Rob, we, we, and Kevin Burkhart was saying it. I, that, that crew is really, we've seen a lot of Burkhart and Charles Davis. That crew is, might be the, like, as good as it gets, I think. But, um, I'm, I'm a big Burkhart guy. You know, Charles, nice guy. You know, he's not my favorite analyst, but it's like really? I'm not. I, I like him personally. So I think they do a great. I think to get Kevin's a league. Kevin's a pair. I think they're just a great pair. Was, was, wasn't wasn't Kevin Lynch's guy before John left? Yeah, yeah. I think part of what makes them good is that they're together. Like I think they're just a great combo. Yeah. Anyway, but part of this was Robbie Gold can't isn't making a 55 yarder, right? More, that was the yeah. other part of that play. No, and then obviously, and then obviously the face mask well, and all that. But part of that play was they could—they didn't just need to get down the field; they needed to get pretty far down the field. Well, I think one reason that you leave that game, and we'll dive into Jimmy and Breeze here in a second. But when you watch like the Saints, like I listed, just elite players, right? We didn't even hear that much of Cam Jordan, but they got Lattimore, they got you know Cam Jordan, even Davenport is kind of a much better player than you know I think he was a couple years ago when they drafted him one overall. And then all the offensive guys, like, they have a bunch of elite guys. Like, on any given year, the Saints could have 8 to 10 Pro Bowlers. But a couple of them are just huge. Imp- like, Michael Thomas is an All-Pro. Cam Jordan is an All-Pro. Well, you leave that game going, you got to have a couple All-Pros to match them. Well, they got Kittle, who's a lock All-Pro. And then they got Nick fucking Bosa, who was dominant guy. I thought start to finish... Before the split second mid game, when they're like Bosa's on the sideline with the, I was like questionable. Don't say broken leg or ACL. And then the and then it was the easiest transition because the next play is back on the field. So you're like, oh, he is an elite player, guy, an elite player. He is. I I never thought like I I was I again I thought his floor was gonna be super high. I thought he would be a good player. I thought number two overall was strong. Clearly, I was fucking way off because he is... You can't ask anything more from a high first-round pick year one, can you? Like, he has been... He's ex, he's flown by expectations, and the expectations were pretty freaking high. His partner in crime, from a defensive end standpoint, like, clearly, D4, they're not going to get that. He's going to end up the year probably seven sacks, 100 total snaps. Like, was it really worth a second-round pick? You know, probably thinking, God, we could have got a lot cheaper. But that's... It is what it is. It depends. Is he healthy enough to play in the NFC Championship? Right? Is he? Does he? Well, he's going to have to be a moment guy. Like he's just going to have to have a couple. Well, moments. He just sat out go, three you know weeks what? and he hurt the hamstring again. How's the hamstring ever going to get right? But 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 again, like this is. Do you know what we don't really talk about right now? D Ford. Why? Because ninety-seven makes every goddamn play. And I'm not just talking about sacks. How about the one play late in the game when he kind of breaks off because he realized going in the flat to Kamara or Latavius and he puts up his hand. It was like his instincts as a football player. Or elite. I mean, the guy's just he has a John, he has an innate feel for playing football. I think one of the greatest qualities, and I think we can say this now, of a Kyle Shanahan football team, is that when their when their starters get hurt, which, which happens a lot, which happens a ton, <laughs> a ton. Quan Alexander, D Ford, Kwaski Tart. Now, again, I mean, you're not this. You just can't keep doing this. You're this D, D Ford. Kyle, I mean, these guys go down. Kyle Shanahan's football teams, and I'm going to go back to 
Jimmy Garoppolo. Like I know they didn't win anything last year, but I would just we watched them with Nick Mullins and went, I hope everyone's recognizing what's happening here in terms of the level of offense that they were able to play given the issues they had. Joe Staley, Mike McGlinchey, their starting center. I mean Safe to say he's done for the year. God, that looked bad. Yeah. But Kyle Shanahan's football teams keep playing high-level football when their starters get hurt. It's just Kyle Juszczyk. It's crazy. It really is, I think, one of the signature qualities of, of, this, of, his, of his football team. Yeah, the, the level of effort is in, incredible. Would you say probably the play more than any in football besides like a decleter, and really that, those don't happen as much anymore, that when a player, and it happens a lot to offensive linemen, get bent back like Richburg goes, it's the one play where everyone watching football goes, I can't even fathom how much pain that guy felt right oh. there. When he's getting bent and there's nothing he can do and there's no way to stop it and he keeps getting bent down. And, you and just, he's 300 pounds. You just probably imagine the ligaments all tearing. It's just like, oh my God, that's got to hurt. Yeah. It just gives me the... My, my first ever game working for the Eagles... Do you remember, was it Bryant Young a long, long time ago on Monday Night Football when he got his leg shattered? Remember him on Monday Night Football? Yeah. But it was, it turned out to be, I think, a clean break, and he ended up coming back, and they just put, like, the titanium rod in there. Same type deal happened with Leonard Weaver, who was a fullback in Philly. The first ever game against the, the Packers, the problem was... It was a little higher than the clean break. It was close to the knee, so all the t- his career ended. Like every tendon shattered. It was just, it was over. Never played another snap guy again. And I always think about that just when you watch it, like the level of violence today, the 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 measure of the the difference of inches or just a, a half step of just career could end on any snap. And the level of these guys are playing, how fast these guys are running. I'm not even talking like if Drew Brees just pivots the wrong way into DeForest Buckner or like I. I don't think we grasp it when we're watching because just the angle of an NFL camera, they all kind of look the same, how enormous these humans are and how fast they're moving. And for them to just avoid the amount of serious injuries they do. Like even the play early on in the game, Richard Sherman goes for a tackle and it looked like Kamara or Latavius, whoever had the ball, running full speed and hit him in the the bicep. And you're like, well... That could either just be the worst Charlie horse he's ever gotten in a shitload of pain, or every bicep muscle could have ripped right there. And it's like, comes out tomorrow, he tore his pack, he's out, or whatever that muscle is. And then he comes back and he's okay. You know, the difference, but at that split second for when he feels that pain throughout his arm, he has to just cross his mind like, did my season just end? As he is just in an enormous amount of pain. But how often on basically every other snap that just happens to an NFL football player? I know. You could feel the well, violence. The, well, every play has a tackle on it. And around every tackle usually is a bunch of people's legs, knees, and ankles. It's wild. Every single one of those plays is dangerous. You're right. Every play is a t- Well, in theory, every play is a tackle. Yeah, you know. Some guys go out, yeah. All right, Jimmy versus uh, Drew Brees. We talk, we've, in, in, as long as we've been doing radio shows, we've been talking about just comparative games, right? You don't have to be basketball guarding a guy for it to be comparison. We just get to watch you go head-to-head with another guy. And that's why, part that's of why wonder, I wanted Oregon in the playoffs against LSU so I could watch Herbert and Burrow at the same time. Yeah. Part of me wondered watching this game, is Jimmy kind of like Drew Brees? A little bold. <laughs> I think he's a lot different of a player. I wondered it. That wasn't my take. I just wondered it. Um, but he went toe-to-toe with him. 
I, I thought Breeze was incredible today too, though. That's part of what made part of what makes Jimmy's performance great is that Breeze was fantastic. Well, he was through five touchdowns, twenty nine of forty for three hundred fifty yards. He was remarkable. Like he was well, he was beyond locked in. Yeah, I mean three forty nine. They both had exactly three hundred forty nine yards passing. Really, the only blemish was a pick that Jimmy threw that did go off his hands, off Emmanuel Sanders' hands. Now, right. if you want, T's and O's. Could you nit, could you nitpick a little like Jimmy threw a fastball and he was close, a little reach out? But hey, T's and O's, John. Yeah, tips and overthrows. Tips and overthrows. Emmanuel Sanders, I'm sure, saying I got to, you know, I, you, you touch it, you clutch it. Uh, if it hits hands, you got to come down. This is the this is the NFL, not high school. If it hits your hands, yeah. you got to catch the ball. Jimmy was fucking remarkable today. Like just his the way he carried himself. The conviction on throws, how accurate he was on all his throws. Uh, the major difference I'd say with him and Drew Brees is Drew ain't screwing around. So like, if his things aren't there, he will throw the ball away. Where Jimmy is not a big throw the ball away guy till like it's clear he's going to get sacked by seven guys. <laughs> but that also leads to some sacks, right? Like there was, a, I'm looking at the box score right now. He has three sacks for 30 yards of losses. Yeah, I Drew thought a couple zero. of them. There were, yeah. No, I know, but I'm just saying like he's going to end up in some sacks because part of yeah. what he does is what Drew doesn't do, and it's, I think, a consistent reason why over the course of time, Drew's going to throw four or five. T- they're going to win. If you play that game against, you know, 20 times, you score 46 points, your quarterback throws five touchdowns, you're going to win it, what would you say, 90% of the time? Especially when I say, well, the, I other, think it's team, higher, John. the other team throws a pick, the other quarterback. Quarterbacks, quarterbacks that threw for 349, five touchdowns, no picks. What is the all-time record with that stat line? I'd say, yeah, 90% of the time you're going to win the game. It's It's got to be really high. But, I, you know, Jimmy was just, I guess, one of the reasons there was a fifth touchdown thrown is just by the wide receiver, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it felt like when they did that pass, like the offense was, you just needed it. You know, that was part of it. The Saints, they didn't need to do much trickeration today to score, I felt like. They just fucking ran their offense. The Niners were doing some like crazy end arounds. They were doing like were. reverse, you know, runs to Debo. They did double How passes. About that pass back to Kittle that got blown up. Yeah, where he's like tripping back into them. It's just, they were. I thought the Niners truly, and they should, right? They are, the Niners, like the development of the Saints, wouldn't you say they're in full development? They're in the peak of Drew Brees' powers, even though he's 40 years old. They've been drafted for like five straight years to build this thing. Like, this is their prime. Like, they go, went into the season thinking they were defending number one seed, who got, they sued because they thought they got fucked to go to the Super Bowl. They were planning on winning the Super Bowl this year. Where the Niners, we were like, yeah, I think they're going to make the playoffs maybe a year away, but they're going to be good. The Niners threw the kitchen sink at them, and it worked. But it took the kitchen sink game for the Niners to win. There's nothing wrong with that. Because, you know, hopefully in a year or two, when the Niners have another another number one pick, another couple signings, they'll be at, like, the Saints where they can just run their stuff and be as the elite. You know, they – and part of it's on the road, you know. They emptied the kitchen sink against, you could argue, the best team in the league, right? Them or the Ravens. I mean, coming into the game, I guess you'd probably put the Ravens. You'd argue the one, Ravens, I think, number one overall. You, but you definitely could. Say, I mean, yes, you could say this coming in, Super coming Bowl. in this morning at ten a.m. and the, the Niners had to empty the kitchen sink on the road, and it was enough. Like I don't think you could ask for anything more. If I just told you at ten a.m. on kickoff, the Niners are going to win by two points, 
it wouldn't have mattered if it was two to nothing or forty-eight to forty-six, right? Now I think it actually is cooler the way it all played out. Like it's more impressive with bodies going down, having to score late. I I do think though at one point in time with just Jimmy and even Kyle when they're up nine points, meaning you can it takes you multiple possessions to score nine points in football. It was borderline must win. Like it was going to be a really, really big punch in the dick to lose that game, being up multiple scores. You know, eight and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter on the road, right. where you played good and you've thrown the kitchen sink at them, and a lot of the shits worked. But then with fifty seconds left, you went, "Wow, this is going to hurt." And that's where I think back to our original comment about it's great to be in these games; it's really impressive. But like. It kind of gets hollow in, in in pro sports when you don't win or lose. Yeah, that that's you're right, and I think we talked about this, and maybe it was after the Monday night game that I said I I I think it's clear to me at this point that Jimmy Garoppolo can play with the best quarterback. Like he's good enough to win you a Super Bowl. But today was like these are the guys you have to beat. That's the type of team you have to beat if you're going to win a Super Bowl specifically that it was him against Breeze, to me, took it to another level, right? It's one thing to have the game he had, like coming back against the Arizona Cardinals. It's still the Cardinals, right? Yeah, he threw for 420 yards or whatever, but it's still the Arizona Cardinals. I, you know, I watched some of their game against Duck Hodges. Sneaky, not a terrible three-win team. No, they're, they're not terrible. <laughs> but no, this I is know, on the road I against know, the I Saints. I, mean, I um, that's the st- Did you see the two stats? So, like, the Saints get the ball, their last possession, and the stat says... 50, I think it was 50 fourth quarter comebacks for Drew Brees. In his career? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Jimmy gets it, and it's like he's got five. Like five? How many games? How does he have five? So that was his sixth today. Do you know what's weird? It's not even weird's the wrong word, but you, you kind of feel it when you're watching it. And I, I truly believe this now just talking through this game. I think Drew Brees is almost underappreciated. You know, I you know I I, I think you're right. I think when you factor in his longevity, I mean, ha- I would say that most people, and myself included, when you list the great quarterbacks of all time, most people would put like Steve Young ahead of him. How does Drew Brees? When you just factor in longevity, would they? Na- would nationally? I don't see. I don't know if people would. You don't think nationally. so? I don't think people. Can, would. can you no, name I like don't. seven better all-time quarterbacks than him? I mean, I think the conversation like we could. Like, argue is Peyton Manning's like- career that much better than Drew Brees's? It feels um, bigger but and better, but I don't know when you really probably dive yeah, into the numbers. I, mean, I, I think if we really put it out there, everyone we could there might be arguments, but you could agree like Brady, Montana, Peyton, Rod, Rogers, uh Favre. Favre? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean again, like they're they felt like they the had guys. bigger impacts, but are we sure their careers are better? See, I would say oh, you go I'd saying. say you right. go right off the bat, you go of the last let's go forty years, you know, not counting like the seventies guys. You go Marino, Elway, right behind Montana Brady. And then I think you kind of throw in Peyton. And then you got this group of like Young, Favre, Rogers, Breeze. And I go, could you make the argument that Breeze's career is better than you know, Young, Rogers, Favre? I mean, he, they, all those guys are just well, one, I do one think Super Bowl guys. Yeah, you're also kind of talking. You kind of can make it two different conversations, right? Better careers or who's the better all-time quarterback. Say that one more time, like, sorry. You can kind of make it two different conversations, right? Like, Bree's career is better than Marino's career. Yeah. 
but all time, who's the all time great? Whatever. The reason I thought about it today was there was a woman in a in like a t shirt and it had a picture of a goat with Breeze's number nine, and I was like, ah, that's a crazy. T-. And then I just stopped. I was like, I understand why they feel that way. Yeah, I, I would imagine in in Louisiana, in New Orleans, those guys will go to the mat for Breeze because after you've seen, like you say, fifty career comebacks. 11-5 touchdown games. Like, he just does these shit like it's not. And watching the game, and this is a little like Peyton Manning. I, I, you'd probably take, if you got 22-year-old Peyton Manning and 22-year-old Drew Brees, I think 90% of people are taking Peyton Manning. Help. I wonder what Sean Payton would tell you if you were just drinking beer with him. But I do think when you're watching him, you go, this guy is dominant. He is dominant. Like, at his craft, when you hear these other quarterbacks talk about him, I think, like Steve Kerr, Tweeted this video yesterday about Larry Bird. Did you see that? He's like, I hope I didn't. I hope all these watch the video. I hope all these young people it. understand. I did. And you watch every time you watch the Larry Bird video, you realize one. Well, I think people that the older generation revere him, but I think a lot of people, you know, he's a white guy, you know. And then you watch the video, but whenever you watch his peers talk about him, and when I say peers, I I mean Magic, Michael, and Dr. J, they speak about him like he's Jesus. Like they, they, you know, like you stop them in their tracks when you ask Dr. Dre, Dr. J, or Michael Jordan about Larry Bird or Isaiah Thomas. Like they, they look at him like as one of the best players they ever laced it up against, if not the best. <clears throat> and I think Drew Brees gets that level, especially from other quarterbacks and, and coaches, how much they revere him. Like ultimately, Kyle should want Jimmy to become a, a more buttoned-down version of what kind of Drew is with his playmaking ability. And that's, yeah. as time goes on, hopefully you can hone that in, right? I mean, Drew came into the league in 2001. Did, I remember going was to Was after Drew, his touchdown, to Purdue, they showed that clip of him kind of screaming? Or he was kind of getting into it with his offensive coordinator? I, I couldn't tell. I mean, it was after they fucked up the two-point. I, I guess they the didn't clip. fuck up the two-point, but it just didn't work. All I know is I went to a Purdue college football game with Breeze as the quarterback in, like, eighth grade. Did he win? Okay. Uh, I, don't, I think he did. They beat, I think they beat Michael Bishop in Kansas State. Wasn't he the but, only guy before Johnny Manziel to throw back-to-back games like 400 yards against Nick Saban? I think there was a stat a while back. when Johnny, oh, really? When Johnny lit him up for the second time, Johnny was the first guy since Drew Brees in like 99-2000 when Saban was at Michigan State to light up a Saban's defense in college wow. football. I, I thought one thing – that's a great that, That's why I, I think part of this stat, victory, but. and I think it'll eventually, if the Niners can ever beat Seattle, it's like, God, you just beat Drew Brees when he was locked. You know? It's one right. thing to beat him like you guys – like Rodgers. They fucked up Rodgers that night. And it was sweet, and it was an ass-whooping, but he threw for 100 yards. So it's like you just ruined him, right? You just destroyed him. Which is, which is awesome. I mean, it's cool. I actually think it's cool when you win a game when you're going toe-to-toe like they did today. Yeah, because I think those games, like, are the Niners, are the 49ers really 29 points better than the Packers? I mean, they're clearly a better football team. Are they 30 points better? That's what I'm saying. Like, how? Like, it's, it's less real. Wasn't that, like, the worst game of Rodgers' career, statistically? It's like, the, remember, <laughs> yeah. you rode me a stat. It was like, like, that's just not, that's an anomaly. Like, if you played them 10 times, that's going to happen once. Even if you beat him eight times, he's still going to throw, in the mo- majority of games, multiple touchdowns, right? I, I'm One saying this I is thought... a compliment. Like, it's, it's actually yeah, yeah, a more no, impressive I I, win I'm to you. win when you're fucking getting lit up like a Christmas tree to find a way. 
One thing I thought Jimmy was great about on Sunday was not like he didn't really did he did he make one throw that made you go what are you doing no I thought there were times where there's a lot of pressure around him and like he 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 wiggled around to try and get that throw to use check but he didn't do anything too crazy like at all I, I agree I thought the t- I thought he was pretty but I thought he was pretty buttoned down best game as a pro don't even think it's close because yeah. I think when you no, factor in some you. of his best. other better games. Like that, like you said, it was. It's, at the end of the day, it's Arizona, and Arizona is one of the defense, best defense or worst defenses in the league. Like this team on the road, when your team had no choice. Because I, I watched a little bit of the Kyle press conference. Kyle's like, "Yeah, we kind of owed the defense one. You know, it's time for us to step up." Like they've kind of carried us all game long. So yeah, I mean, if we like, there have been some games when they were allowing you know opponents to score ten. Ga- like they've been averaging fifteen points a game. Like so, it's on yeah. us. We're not mad at him. I mean, it's, shit happens. I, I saw some of that on Twitter. Like, oh, the Niners' defense—they're not stepping up. Or, I think they're fine. Like, getting sliced by Drew Brees and Sean Payton is not an indication that you can't hang. I I also think it's just unrealistic to have in this modern day NFL, especially with the the Niners are missing some players. You're not gonna. Do you think we ever see like a Ravens type defense again? You know, like 01 or 85 Bears. Like a defense that just start to finish of a season that you go, that's one of the best defenses I've ever seen. Because I don't think you can really play like that. Because a lot of that, those defenses are like body bag defenses. So it's like, yeah, we ain't going over the middle against these guys. <laughs> like you hear some of these. Like I'm watching Ronnie Lott, Ronnie Lott football life. And this opposing players be like, yeah, you know, when coach would call me a slant and I saw 42 in the middle, I was like, yeah, well, I'm going to run it out. <laughs> you, know? that, that, you don't hear, really hear players talk like that anymore because they, they have these things now that are called defenseless players. Did that exist like in 85 Bears? Have you ever heard of Bears? Forget like Dante Whitner. Yeah. Remember like, what a tough adjustment it was for those Niners safeties when, it, when the rules started changing a little bit? Well, those guys were out of the league in like two years. It's like Dante Hitner. Like, uh... Well, it's like Rogers, like we gotta change that name, Dante Lover. You know, it's like no, nah, it's just he's, he's a killer because that was really all he did. Like he he couldn't really cover; he could just hit. Was it him that was it him that hit Pierre Thomas? Yeah, it was him. Hit, I mean, killed. Is Pierre, yeah. is Pierre alive? Didn't Pierre? Did he join the Niners like four or five years later? Or was that another player? Well, it's, I'm I'm the wrong person to ask because every time I hear Pierre Thomas, I think I think he's like some small running back, and then I watch that clip every time, and he's kind of big. Yeah, they they the, the small running back you're thinking of was a different guy. It was like Travis Cadet or Tavares Cadet. They, they've had a couple. Yeah, like, well, there's that guy, but I'm just thinking to me, there's some Pierre out there that was a smaller back, and then every time I watch that clip, I'm like, oh, he was a tight end. Yeah, the shoulder he, pads are huge. Yeah, he was he was a big running back. They, they had. Uh, you look like a tight end. Well, somehow on my timeline, the Saints-Niners playoff game got tweeted out. Remember well, Darren, yeah, Darren Sproles had some sweet runs in that game? And that was like the peak of Darren Sproles' power. He was a badass. They've I was they've had some sweet games, have they not? <laughs> I was just watching that those highlights going like, how many guys are left from this game? And then you flip on, like, there's Ted Ginn. There's Joe Staley. There's Drew Brees. Who else? I mean, Vernon's around, but Alex is around, right? Yeah. But, Kind of. There, there aren't many. Hard but I just mean, like, you, I just watched that thing. I'm like, God, that, that was another era, and yet here's Breeze looking exactly the same. Oh, J- Jimmy Graham still around. Jimmy Graham, yeah. Yeah, not not, not many. That, but doesn't that feel 
I don't even know. It just feels like a game that we don't get as often. And every time we've got it, it's been like an instant classic. It feels, because again, it feels, and maybe it's just part of New Orleans. It feels a little collegiate. Like it feels really cool. You know, it feels just, it feels bigger than just like Niners Rams. Like, I'm sorry. Niners Rams never feels as cool as it should. Like when the Dodgers and Giants play, it feels cool. If the Warriors get good again and they play the Lakers, it feels big. Like, Niners-Rams, I, I got news for you. It just ain't really a fucking rivalry. Because, really, the rivalry is much more Niners-Seattle. And the facts would tell you that really hasn't been a rivalry either. That's been an ass-whooping by Seattle. This game feels like, I don't even know what the records are the last 10 years whenever they played. It's probably, I guess there's the couple games where they got screwed, remember, with, like, Ahmad Brooks on a late hit to Drew Brees. They definitely won a couple regular season games. When the well, Niners Ma Brooks played. had a pass interference. Yeah, didn't Patrick Willis or Navarro Bowman have a late hit, too? They got called and, like, oh. uh, roughing the passer. So they've won a I'm couple regular the, season the, games in New the Orleans. The playoff game the Niners won, they got away with a P.I., I thought. Oh, okay. In New Orleans. So, I mean, it... it Wasn't it, there? It, yeah, I, I, know, I remember for a regular season game in the Harbaugh era, it might have been the year You're after right. they played in the playoffs, either Ahmad Brooks or it was, like, Patrick Willis on a roughing the passer... So they've won a couple games in New Orleans, but it, it just feels like an all-out, like a coin, the ultimate coin flip game where you left and you go, God damn, that could have gone. I mean, the playoff game is an all-timer. This honestly feels a lot like the playoff game, doesn't it? Like that playoff game, I vividly remember living with this dude in downtown Philly, watching that game just on my bed by myself. I mean, like, that's the fucking craziest game I've ever seen. I, I mean, I don't know if... Obviously, there wasn't as much on the line. I mean, that was to get to the NFC Championship game. So that game was more important. And that was the Alex, remember, the the quarterback sweep, and then they hit Jimmy Graham, and then Vernon Davis. It's just, it's still an all-time classic. This is an all-time regular season classic, though. Yeah. There's just my memory, by the way, that that Alex Smith run in my head is always like a 70-yard run. But it it legitimately was like 40. Yeah. Because it was, I think, like 37. In my head, that that play takes a minute and a half. Because weren't there a couple plays a day that on, like, sweeps, when Staley's pulling, the difference is there's no one for him to block, and Mozart or whoever's, like, on Staley's ass. Running by him. (laughs) He's just got no one to block. There is nothing like when a DB is coming down and it's a guy way bigger than him. It's it's a coaching point. You just take out the guy's ankle, so you just create, uh, you know, you just create a car wreck. But it's mm-hmm. one of those you can tell the DB is like, oh fuck, I gotta do this, and you know, and he, <laughs> and he goes down, and you, you always like today it was Kittle, not an offensive lineman, but the, it usually goes viral when it's like, you know, uh, Tyron Smith decletes the corner. Well, yeah, no shit, that guy's 175 pounds. I remember, it happened to Honey Badger a few weeks ago. <laughs> well, and then Honey, uh, did you see Honey Badger's uh, tweet? Honey Badger don't care. <laughs> yeah, well, what was he supposed to say? Trent Brown weighs 360 pounds. I would guess Honey Badger doesn't weigh more than two ten. He got de- he got destroyed on that play. But I give Honey Badger credit. You just full go and you just you get thrown. You know, it's like a wave that you know, like when a wave takes out like someone on the beach. That's what it kinda, yeah, that's what it kind of looks like. Uh, all right, before we move on, John, let's tell the people this podcast is brought to you by you know it Ease and EaseWellness.com. Promo code Ham Ease.com EaseWellness.com. Promo code is Ham. Love my friends at ease.com. Pre-rolls, vapes, uh, edibles. Taking a bunch of edibles the last couple of days. Much actually kind of easier get into my day, yet still be productive, yet kind of chill. A big fan of the edibles. Uh, sour diesel. 
uh, from ease.com, promo code HAM. Then our friends at easewellness.com, promo code HAM. Tell your friends. We got Christmas coming around. Get your friends. Maybe your parents, you know, need some CBD. Get some aches and pains. I I got a little knee pain right now. I would imagine a lot of the Niners got some pains. They're probably on that plane flight right now just in, in a lot of pain. Uh, probably having some cocktails. Hell, maybe even passing around some edibles in the back of the plane. You know, we don't judge here in California. Ease.com, easewellness.com, promo code HAM. Go get it. Tell your friends, tell your friends. If, you, if you've if you used it before, we appreciate that. Uh, share it. Definitely share it. Tell all what your friends. better gift to share. Tell everybody at, at the holidays. Speaking of the holidays, uh, I used my box of awesome canvas bag for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving in two different places. Used it. Box of awesome. Uh, .com, promo code HAM, get 20% off your first box, and uh, they hook you up with all kinds of stuff. That Some of it you were hoping you needed. Some of it you, you didn't know that you needed, whether you're grinding away at the office, hanging with friends. It's time to upgrade your style or your apartment, and that's where boxofawesome.com comes into play. .com, C-O-M. Uh, that's correct, .com. Each box it. goes for under 50 bucks, but has more than $70 worth of unique gear waiting inside for you. And the the... The best part is that the first of every month, you receive an email with the details of your box. You've got five days to change colors, sizes, add extra goods to your box. If you're not filling that box, you can just you can you can skip it. So you don't ever end up with stuff you don't want. But they're constantly feeding you stuff that that's really cool and makes your life easy. Get twenty so you know per- what you do, John. Get twenty percent off, guy, of your first monthly yep. box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and you enter the promo code HAM at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com. Promo code HAM, 20% off. Bags, shirts, knives, you name it. They got it. They'll send it to you. It's easy to use on us. We Limited got you. edition cigars. Yep. Yeah. Bags. Whole deal. All right. Uh, Raider game. What would you say watching that Raider game after watching the Niner game felt like? I said to you, I've I've never done MDMA, but I would imagine it'd be like going from Molly to a pack of bubble gum. See, I, it was- I, see, I, I was going to go even stronger. I've never done crack or meth, but whenever you've watched, you know, one of those drug shows on like Netflix and the, and the addict talks about coming down from the high or just like a prison show when they get locked in there and they got no access and they're, and they're going through the withdrawals and they're puking that they come down to that high just on what it looked like to your eyes, you know, knowing just that stadium is just such a dump, you know, and just the way the Titans play is a little boring. Now they were actually pretty explosive today. Actually, Derek was had one of his best halves of football in a long time through two touchdowns in the first half, but it, it was tough. And then, listen, I mean, the Titans coming in were seven and five football team, who had been one of the hotter teams in the league, right? Like they were, they weren't not headed for the playoff. They were in shambles. They benched Marcus Mariota for Ryan Tannehill. I think now they're five and one. If they fact check me on this one, Twitter, but. Five and one since Ryan Tannehill's become the full time starter, and they just dominate. Like I didn't even think they played that well. When the dust settles, they won by not double digits, won by twenty plus, like a twenty point win in the NFL. I, I thought the Chiefs thoroughly outplayed the the New England Patriots today. They won by seven. You know, like you can. We talk about this all the time. It's been a learning experience for Ham. Just this season, just really watching it. Maybe it's just been a unique season that way. But looking back, I think the NFL's always kind of been like that. You lose by 20 points, you got your ass kicked. And they lost by... What do the Raiders, the way they're trending right now, like, what do they really have to hang their hat on going into next year? Okay, Derek Carr know. on fourth and one threw the ball out of bounds. It's the second time he's done it that I can yeah, remember. At the goal line. At the goal line. It was crazy. 
Threw a ball out of bounds and, that, and started yelling as a receiver. And they had it first and goal there. Through the But let's just talk about that play. Like, your defense is... The Raiders' defense... I, I texted my buddy Eddie, who is the producer for the Moving the Sticks uh, radio show on NFL Radio. Big Raider fan, I would imagine. People that listen might follow him on Twitter. Eddie Barcelli. And he's a diehard Raider fan. And I, I tweeted today. I said... And it wasn't trying to be a shot or anything, but the coaches change, the players change, yet the results on defense for the Raiders, me watching them now the last 10 plus years, consistently stays the same. They are Swiss fucking cheese. And the one thing they've kind of hung their hat on was the running back, right? They drafted this guy in the first round. It looks like he's going to be the offensive rookie of the year. Well, he can't play today. So it's like, okay, can Derek carry them? And Derek plays well for a half, then he can't maintain it, and they start getting their ass kicked. But then that play to me kind of signifies... Like, Derek, it's fourth down. So, if you it's throw it out of bounds, you might as well just take your fucking pads off and go to the go to the locker room. Because someone tweeted at me, what's he supposed to do? I don't know. Anything but throw it out of bounds. Fucking just throw it in the traffic. You can't. You agree like that? that yes, that's, I agree. It, when, he does, when he gets released this offseason, it's shit like that. Because there's no way in the huddle, hey, if it's not there, Derek, throw it out of bounds. Right? That's not part of the call-in play from John Gruden. You think Gruden would like Nick Foles? Uh, I don't think he'd hate him. I, I don't even know what Gruden would like, honestly, guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, look, this team, to me, even more big – I think you're right they about got, that. I don't, they got killed today with Gardner. Well, I know. Their offensive line sticks and their, their defense quit a month ago. How um, bad is their Did Tannehill yeah. – well, Moron's going to get fired – did Tannehill come in during their Broncos game? Because if he, that's what happened, yeah, he, he, then he was... He got benched Mariota in a game. Okay, so then, yeah, you're right. Tannehill's Cause, five and Because the Bronco game, I remember following like Paul Klaharski. You follow one... I mean, he's one of the Titans guys. Yeah. And he's like, Mariota has overthrown multiple screens. He's like, so I don't feel like he has to get benched right now. He, they can't even function. He comes in. Yeah. They win that game? No. They lost sixteen to nothing, and then they name him the starter the next day, and they've never looked back. They're five and one since. And you just watch him like yeah. he's an eye test so, guy. He definitely looks pretty good, right? You know he was an Andrew Lux draft. No, did you, was he? Uh, yeah, he was in the RG. Yeah, he was. He was in the RG. Did you know that draft. he used to Brandon play receiver? <laughs> yeah, that I knew. Um, but like the first round of that draft was RG three backup. Andrew Lux, no. Brand Whedon, fifty. And Ryan Tannehill. Now Russell got drafted in that draft too, but um, that's a pretty, it's a big little sleeper. crazy draft. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a couple other guys. Uh, but what I was going to say for the Raiders, the Raiders are going to play their last home game in Oakland, and they're not getting booed at home because they're moving. They got they're getting booed at home because they're not good. God, they're just not. They're not just not good. I just mean the fans that show up are accepting the fact that they're leaving. I know. It's not even about that. They're just mad at the team. What's well, an embarrassment, guy? Like, like, remember when Mark was like, take it out on me. It's like, they're not even mad about that. They're mad about the football. They're mad about the football. I, I, tell me this, guy. And I get corporations bought all the tickets. If, if you and I were whales, the, equip, the guys that, you know, big businessmen that go to Vegas for fun on the weekends, whatever. And go for 48 hours before we hop on our private jet. And, and wherever we go, 
typically is when the MGM, the Cosmo, wherever the hell you stay. I've never been a whale, so I don't know exactly how it works. I've read stories about it. And they give you sweet shit, right? You comp your room. They're always giving you cool stuff to do. Like, oh, you want tickets to go watch Celine Dion between your card games? Well, what's one of the things they're going to be giving out next year, right? Hey, you want to go watch Raiders, Jags? Why in your right mind, if you're from fucking New York or Florida or Canada or wherever the hell you're living, would you waste your time to go watch that bullshit when you could just go to the sportsbook and you want to watch some game? Why would you attend that game? That's what I... They're going to do so much better in Vegas. Well, if the team looks like that and they are they are regressing, like they are dramatically coming back, whether you're a Raider fan, Niner fan, whoever, one thing football fans, like any sports fans, hate doing is just watching bad sports. The thing with football, when you're just terrible on defense and you don't score that many points, you're a hard watch because you're just getting smoked. And that's what the, Also, John... They've lost three straight games by 20-plus points because they don't have a prayer to cover anybody. They football games will be played at uh, two o'clock Mountain Time on Sunday afternoons. There. Oh, it's Mountain Time. To me, it'd be one thing if the games were Saturday. Vegas Mountain Time. Saturday afternoon. Huh? Vegas is Mountain Time. Is Vegas? Isn't it? I, it's a good question. I, I think you might be right. Because Arizona is. I don't know. Uh, right? No, oh, no. Well, no, they're Pacific Time. So anyway, doesn't change it that much. <laughs> Take the hour back. It doesn't change it that much. I mean, now the hope is like right. People come from out of town because it's Vegas, just like people go to New Orleans. But to your point, the people you're talking about. Because that's going to be a huge part of their base. Spend the a you've come Friday or you've come Thursday. I don't know. I don't know. Are you, like, it better be good. Like, that's the point. If it's great, okay, I'll hang around on Sunday afternoon. But if it's not, well, I don't. Why? Why am I doing this? Why am I going to spend? I gotta even with the luxury bus that you dropped me off. I still gotta. Am I in traffic on the way out? How long has that taken me? To me, okay. Let's yeah, let's I, say they let's say they win one of these last three games and they went seven and nine. You're like middle cop, you said they would sniff six wins. Well, yeah. They they I, in, in fairness to that guy arguing, and he'll come up. I'm sure, even though he's been a lot quieter because it's hard to say much when your team's getting smoked. Seven and nine is better than any of us thought they would do. You, me, any person that just covers football, most of their fans, besides like diehard guys that are always going to say nine wins, whether fucking Haberman's their quarterback or whether Peyton Manning's their quarterback, they would just say, we're going to the playoffs. I'm not talking about that guy. I'm just saying semi-objective, just from the outside, the moment Antonio Brown got cut, you're like, they're going to be in shambles. So seven and nine, in theory, would be a positive, right? Like, God, they've kind of, they overachieved. But this went from being kind of like a feel-good story to like, what? What am I? What am I getting? Like, what is tangible here? Because I, well, I, the the other thing that's scary now too is like, the quarterback is like that was a moment, and he had a couple times screaming at wide receivers, like Derek, who, who the fuck are? Why do you keep screaming at these guys? Where just you're you're sailing balls into no man's land. I, I think he's lost a lot of juice these last three or four weeks. That's what it feels like, guy. Well, it's going to, if, yeah, even if they win one of the last, it's going to be seven to nine, but it's not going to feel like there was any momentum on the way out, right? Well, because you're, no momentum. would you get that much credit for winning this game next week by 10 points against the Jags? Like, people are like, yeah, they suck. Well, but also, it's just like the highlight of the season came, it's forgettable now. It was over. Well, think, think about this. Over and done with. Old. They were four and eight, so now they're five and eight. The Denver Broncos. If they come down the stretch and get to let's say seven and nine, and lock 
build throws a couple more sweet games together. Doesn't even like at one point today. I think I saw John McClain, you know, the guy that covers the Texans, the old kind of chubbier guy, just tweeted like, you know, it's kind of crazy, but at the end of the day, John Elway has four touchdowns against the Houston Texans. Oh, wait, this is Drew Locke. Like, Drew Locke had a historic game. But if he has a couple more just like two or three touchdown games, doesn't even need to do what he did today. The Bronco fans are going to go into the offseason feeling a lot different about themselves, right? Then the Raiders at 7-9 and nine with Jay Glazer reports right before Wild Card Weekend the Raiders are thinking about releasing Derek Carr if they can't get a trade offer. Or, you know, a story like that that we get over the playoffs. Because to me, that would be a BP fastball story. Just keep an eye on that. You know, I'm all over keeping an eye on Jay Glazer reports during the second round of the playoffs Sunday morning on Fox. The Raiders were open to trading Derek Carr. And if they can't find a trade, they will release him. Or something like shit like that. Like that's, yeah. I'm expecting Carr that. for fulls, straight up. No. I think Foles could be a Raider next year. What do you think they'd have to trade for him? Like a fourth rounder or something? I don't think much because, I I mean, who knows? It depends. They, they're going to have a new football coach. So we're a little ways away from that. they got to figure out their deal. If I was the next coach of the Jags, I would just keep him around and let him beat out Minshew in the offseason. Maybe, tra- maybe just do a player-for-player player swap, hopefully get a new uh, – I know this. Derek cannot feel great about building his house right now, right? Even if he is one of those guys, it's blinders, you know. Like, hey, you can't. <laughs> you're getting smoked, and you're throwing the ball out of bounds. Like, even him, who's just in this football mode, has to realize, like, honey, should we uh, tell the sheetrock guys to maybe pull back? <laughs> you know, just, let's just, hey, John, uh, I'll, cut, I'll give you the next door house for a quarter of the price. <laughs> you know? You want the lot? Do you think Derek Carr plays for the Raiders in 2020? Because right now, I would lean about 80% no chance. I mean, this is two years now. But last year felt a little different because it was like, well, who are they going to draft someone? This year feels like it ain't even about, like, quote-unquote, who's replacing them. It's just time to move on. It just feels off when you watch Yeah, them. I do. But I do I, – I understand why you say that. I do think so often in the NFL, though, quarterback is about, do we have anybody that we think is a better option right now? But I, but I also think I – Now, maybe you draft a guy. Th- there gets to a level the like, like Stafford. Let's use him as an example. Now he's hurt right now. Who they? Oh, they played the Vikings. I don't even know the final score there. At one point, I looked up; it was like seventeen nothing. He yeah. didn't. Even, I mean, the other guy played, but he's going to be their quarterback probably for like fifteen years, right? And he'll make the playoffs like three times. And they probably had that conversation a bunch and spend multiple administrations. But it's easier with him. You're like, well, who are we getting that's better at this guy? Like, well, the number one free agent is Kirk Cousins or Andy Dalton. And you're just like, no. I, but I think with Derek, you're like, well, fuck it, you know. Just see if Mariota can be better. Let's see if Andy Dalton can be better. Let's see if we can trade for Foles. I think you're at that point where it's easier to talk yourself out of like, are we just getting, uh, maybe we're taking a step back. I don't even think you care. It's just time to move on. And that's where it kind of feels like it's heading, especially with the move. Gruden is just going to be so frustrated. Guy, they're not losing. They're getting their ass kicked. Now, again, it's not all Derek's fault. The defense is atrocious. But I think plays like that, plays like against Green Bay, or when all the dust settles and you're seven and nine and you go, what could have been? Those are the type plays that stick out, not necessarily his nice touchdown pass, right? I, I feel yeah. like that play is something that's going to be ingrained in Gruden's mind because that's kind of like when all the chips are on the line and you kind of got nothing to lose, you're down, what's the score? They're down 21 points. Like, what? You got nothing to lose. Just let it rip. Like, that's who you are. I saw a couple people tweet, like, 
listen, there's a there's a balance of being smart and like a situation in the fucking game. Like again, if you're gonna throw the ball out of bounds, you might as well just hold the ball, walk out of bounds, keep on walking to the tunnel, take your shit off, and go home. I, I'm being dead serious, guy. Because there's no fuck. If you're doing that and then you yell at the wide receiver, if I was a diehard Raider fan, I would be fucking ashamed. I like Derek personally, known him a long time. That is inexcusable. That's just there's no. I don't even know what he said after the game. That's just there's nothing to be said. Like that's just who you are. Yeah, I I think what the fan thing. What really matters is what the people in your life. No, I I know. But my my point is that you've been watching football. You and I. I mean, we can cognitively remember for 20 plus, 22, 25 years. I can count on one hand the times I've seen that, and multiple times it's been Derek Carr. It's, it's, yeah. it's an unheard of move. I know. I, I think the, the other thing that's going to be crazy is when you look up and the Raiders draft pick is like the 17th pick. You're like, how in the world do they have the 17th pick? So I do think we're at the point now where it's, you're, it's not in your interest to win football games. You Ideally, you can get somehow to like, 12 or 13 but even that's well it's a, a bunch but, of teams. but it is for Derek to play well to survive you know that's where the yeah from the Gruden you might as well just lose even though that's not necessarily what they're well, thinking I, but I, I'm just saying like because of where that's because of what you just said I to me this draft has packaging the Bears and and their pick together to move into the top seven or something but what if it's like pick 14 and 19 because what if the Bears end up at eight and eight like you said part of the thing that I don't think people realize is there are so many shitty teams. If the Raiders end up at six and ten or seven and nine, their pick is not twelve. It's going to be like fifteen. Well, that's what I'm what, saying. Do you have it in Best front of you right like, now? Yeah. Well, right now it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. So there's thirteen teams with worse records. How many them. below are the Bears? Because because the Eagles are five and seven, so it's like a half game. Okay. Then here are the six win teams: the six and seven teams: Colts, Bucks, Raiders, Browns, Cowboys. Oh, so you're saying they're in that mix of like 13 to 18? Yeah, well, it's like 14 to 8 well, to where, 19. Where are the Bears? Past that? 7 and 6. <laughs> so they're next. God. Right? So that's what I'm saying. If they screw around and win a game, everyone else is losing. Well, so what if the Bears if win two of the last three and just end up at 9 and 7? That pick's going to be what, like 21, 22? And if the Raiders win one more game, that game's automatically going to be at like 14, 15. So that's not exactly – you have a shitty year – the, the Bears, quote-unquote, have a shitty year, and your pick is 22? Not ideal, guy. That's, that's, so that's, that's where I think that's you're talking about big that's progress. That's what I'm watching for down the stretch here. Just Are they going to have to trade picks in order to draft a quarterback? Because it does. Are they? Is John Gruden, quarterback whisperer, going to go three years without taking a quarterback? Well, I mean, he signed about seven this offseason. But you know what I'm saying? Like, John Gruden. Yeah, just he's gonna go three years without drafting. You even like, mean like a Gardner Minshew or Jalen Hurts or some guy in the middle of the rounds? Well, I know I mean like a top three, four round quarterback. But you're right. I mean, we could keep going. But is he? I'm I'm not talking about like some project. I'm talking about a guy with skills, like in the first or second round. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's coming. <laughs> you know. So, I think it's coming. Who would have thought? All right, some shit changes fast in the NFL. Headlines. As I'm looking up right now. The Rams are in control. I saw Rashad Penny, who I'd been hard on, had been playing well. Looks like he tore his knee or something. He's out. They ruled him out. If Seattle loses this game, the Niners are actually in pretty good shape because they could lose a game the next week or two because they're going to have to win that game in Seattle no matter what. 
But beating, beating New Orleans a day gives them the tiebreaker there. Beating Green Bay head-to-head gives them the tiebreaker. They're actually in pretty good shape if Seattle can just drop this game. Right. You know? Because they got those two tiebreakers over the other two teams not named Seattle that if they do win the division that they'd be competing for those home field buys. I think it's pretty clear that the Niners can beat fucking Seattle and, and win the division. They're a lock kind of to be the one seed. So basically, well, they, yeah, they, could, I mean, they, they just need to win two of the last three games. Right. It doesn't even need well, to be the Rams with, game. But it needs to be that game. It needs to be Seattle. Uh, what else? I mean, we have CFP. You want to start with college. Uh, uh, you know, I didn't... Uh, uh, if you listen to my uh, Utah takes on Saturday, that was uh, probably not ideal. You know, I, you know what, John? I, uh, too too, too deep a guy. I made a new rule for myself after the watching Oregon Utah, which is this: if you are a seventy-four percent passer, then something might be off. Like either the offense is really catered to you, uh, or you haven't played great teams. I'm still working through this theory, but if you're a seven, if you're like because the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the league are not seventy-four by week twelve passer. or thirteen. Not like after that two is, weeks. Yeah. And I'm talking college too. But obviously the numbers in college get a little more inflated. But the greatest quarterbacks, in the, like nobody hits 420. If you're hitting 420 after a month of the season, you're not, no one's betting on you to hit 420 in baseball. You just People do not do it. It's a physical limitation. If you're a 74% passer, which is you know Tyler Huntley, the quarterback at Utah, either you're one of the greats in college – or the offense is kind of catered to what 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 made it a curveball was that he his yards per attempt were high, but he doesn't throw nearly as much as Burrow, doesn't throw nearly as much as Justin Fields, and Burrow's completion percentage is really I think it's really like seventy one, isn't it? Yeah, it's up. It's uh, also no, up seventy three. But I, when I watch Joe Burrow, I go, okay, fine, I get it. I think I overestimated the efficiency. I did overestimate the efficiency of Utah's offense. And kind of forgot when they played SC that, it, you know, it, because it was like, oh, they're just SC's receivers are winning jump balls. Yet part of it, too, was SC's lines were creating issues because they do have physical defensive fronts. Uh, and Washington, the other team with bigger guys, also had them in a close football game. So the reason I was picking Utah predominantly was uh, I counted on them to play at a certain level where Oregon was kind of all over the place. But at the end of the day, one thing I said at the beginning of the year and I gave up on and I shouldn't have was Oregon ceiling. Oregon ceiling is just Not as was high. higher, is higher. Oh, oh Oregon. And Oregon. Um, I let their inconsistent play kind of cloud my judgment. I, I think that. this is a good learning experience for Scout Haberman is that yeah. as I learned once upon a time, you have to trust your eyes. And I think sometimes, and I think Lamar is a much higher level version of this. If we were in a draft meeting, I think we'd go, okay. Because like you said, his numbers, just in a vacuum, if you just put the two percentages right there, you'd be like, wow, he's just as efficient as Joe fucking Burrow. But if you break it down, Joe Burrow gets in these situations, third and eight, and they go four or five wide, and he just drops back like he's Drew Brees and has no problem doing it. It just looks completely but John, different. John, Tyler Huntley's third down completion percentage is like 79%. Yeah, but how many times was he in third and and not manageable, probably? Like third and eight to 12. And I'd also say 
there is an element to like how many of these teams is it really lighting up that are any good, you know? Well, I I think Oregon's defensive coordinator Andy Avalos is a I, he is a he is kind of on the next wave of coaches. So I I think part of it is and back to Lamar. I just think you say to yourself in these big games like a conference championship game, I think we're going to get to this place in a playoff game. Because I, I was much more locked in on the Niner game, but I was had money on the Bills. but I, So I was looking up a lot. It just looked, you know, it was hard for Lamar. You know, he made, I know you tweeted that thing, he's Barry Sanders-like. His sweet plays are running. But do you trust Lamar in a position if it's third and eight in a playoff game's on the line? I'm not saying he can't do it, and I trust him way more, and I'm not trying to compare him to the Utah quarterback this way. But you'd say if I had to trust him or Patrick Mahomes or him or even Jimmy Garoppolo or just some Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers, he's going to be last. And I think when you look at going into this deal, it's why I like LSU to win the whole thing. And, and I'd put Clemson fucking right there too. I, guy, I like Clemson. I haven't even looked what the line is. I saw yesterday that it was, if they did get matched up, it was going to be a pick em. I like Clemson to beat Ohio State. Because I think that people are kind of sleeping on Clemson. And Dabo's kind of right. Did you see him? He got up in front of the team today. He's like, guys, I got a first for everyone. We, we started the season ranked number one overall in the history of the playoff format. We won all of our games, and we ended up at number three overall. And there's an eye test with Clemson. Not many people have watched them because they're playing. Yesterday was the first time they played a ranked team all season. And a little like Pac, Utah could argue too, like, well, fuck, we didn't make our schedule. I mean, the non-conference we did, but it's, uh, fuck, we yeah, wish some yeah. of these teams were better. I watched Clemson, and when they turn the pedal to 0-60, to 60, they're, they're hitting it fast, and they ain't fucking around, and they got NFL guys everywhere. And here's also why I like them against Ohio State. I get everyone likes jerking off Ryan Day, and he's the next Urban Meyer, and the dude that he took from from the 49ers. Here's what I know about Clemson. They're the defending national champions, one. So he's telling everyone, he said, we're the fucking underdogs, we're the defending champs, one. We have a coaching staff, I make $8 million. My defensive coordinator makes two and is widely considered NFL and pro, Brett Venables, one of the best defensive coordinators in all of college football. So our coaching staff is big fucking time. And our players, from Trevor Lawrence, are going to be number one pick in a year. You play quarterback. And all these guys from ETN to random guys that you haven't even heard of out here on the West Coast are going to be pros. I'm telling you, guy, if when all the dust settles, if you tell me Clemson the national championship, I, I don't ever remember a team that like legitimately has a chance to win it all that I don't think many people are just going to pick. And part of it is just because Ohio State and LSU have just been so dominant, have been so good. I mean, like you said, you told me this. We probably talked about it on the podcast. Fox has done 25 Ohio State games this year. Yeah. Uh, LSU has just been the apple of everyone's eye, and rightfully so. They're a great story. But then I got LSU tweeting out, Joe Burrow, no one believes in us. Like, no one believed in Joe Burrow. Joe, you were Mr. Ohio. You went to Ohio State, and then you transferred to LSU. Stop acting like you're fucking... You know, you're Colin Kaepernick coming out of Nevada. You know, I mean, you're going to be the number one overall pick. You, everyone believes in you, bro. Urban was his dad at Ohio State as the defensive as a coach. I don't know that because I saw that video and he said my only offer my junior year was my dad's school. I don't. Know. I wonder if he was kind of a courtesy signing just because he was Mr. Ohio. Yeah, just a local. Now kid. they did pass like Mr. Trubisky once upon a time with Mr. Ohio. They passed on him. So yeah, m- yeah. maybe. I but mean, still, look, guy. He comp- Justin, Fe- Justin Fields, 68% passer. Trevor Lawrence, 68.5% passer. Deshaun Watson, was 67% passer his, his junior year at Clemson. I, I, I do think, like, I'll use Trevor Lawrence for an example. 
just watching him yesterday. Again, not even on my main TV because it was Big Ten on the main TV. But at glinting up, I test passer immediately. You're like, holy shit. You know, and that's the, that's the one Utah's problem with the guy. You're like, oh, this isn't an eye test passer. I, I'm, I'm, Luke, yeah. I'm lukewarm on Justin Herbert. I get a lot of texts from just different media people, like with the Giants and, you know, other places. They're like, what do you think of Justin Herbert? I got some people that love him, some people that hate him. And I'm like, listen, you can't hate, you can't, it's hard for me to say I'm just out on him because clearly there's a lot of talent there. But I'm not, I wouldn't say like I'm the number one fan. But you just watch it like he's a completely different level than Utah's quarterback, right? Well, the skill set is just blue chip. Yeah. Um, so maybe I'll just simply, as we're talking through it, I'll simplify. And people tweet at me, help me with this theory. If you are a 76% passer in college, I, I just will not take that number at face value. I need that number deserves further investigation because it's not, it is abnormal when we talk about the best of the best. Okay. Like Deshaun Watson was 67.9. Well, that one doesn't 67.8 and 67. He was a 67% pass. Deshaun Watson. I know when I watched Deshaun Watson, not knowing any of the stats, I went, that's one of the, I, I love that guy. Right. Well, I, I got a I got a good one for you. Probably on a higher level than Utah's guy. Jalen Hurts this year was 72%. Like he just, Jalen Hurts a 72% passer. In, in fucking no world just is no, he. John, mo, nobody, by and large, nobody is. But like I watched Joe Burrow, he's stupid accurate in that offense. And they got incredible yeah. players. So may, maybe he is partly a fun, but he makes some great plays. I mean, there were a couple times where anyway. I thought like he doesn't have the greatest arm. To me, I actually think his comp is probably, and people hate hearing this, is like an Alex Smith. He's a really good athlete. He does not have a big arm. Now, he's got some gusto to him and some bravado. and but Clearly, Alex has that shit, too. I'm, I'm just saying, like, his his skill set is not Justin Herbert. Hell, even Fields. Like, when Fields just lets it rip, you're like, geez, Louise, this guy's got a hose. There are going to be just some stupid amount of talent in this college football playoff, though. <laughs> uh, uh, did you did you see the uh, Lane Kiffin is at Ole Miss and was hug, taking a photo with somebody's baby? Did you see this video? No. He gave the baby back, and it's like somebody taking the video from across. It's just like this crowd of people, and it's and it's Lane walking through the group at FAU. He's high. No, I think it's Ole. I think it's Ole Miss oh, today because he's in a suit. I'm guessing it's like his arrival. Gotcha. And he hands the baby back, and from the video you can tell the guy says to him, "Get that burner phone," or something along those lines. Basically, tells him time to get your burner. Yeah, get your burner. I, hey, hey, Mister, he's got a couple. It does feel him and uh, and Norvell very smooth coaching exits. Like I don't FAU can't complain, right? He they won multiple no. MAC champion or whatever their conference is. He clearly just did. You watch his post game press conference? Uh, I saw a little bit of. Did it I email it to you? Or did I just send you the tweet? Maybe you might. He have. sounded pretty mature. Is he grown or? Did you t- did you tweet like mature, yeah. land or humble, whatever? Now yeah. they kind of cut it up and spliced it, but he talked about like. Just growing young men. Just shit like, is he fake or is he kind of grown? <laughs> what did you lean? Fake or grown? Or a combo? Uh, I, you know, <laughs> I I don't know. I didn't. I honestly didn't watch enough of it. I just saw like a quick clip of it. But Yeah, just. I think. I do. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I think a lot of Lane is still. If you, if you but... had to guess, does this go smoothly or does it get ugly? Smoothly and good and well are two different things. I think it goes kind of well. Now, smoothly, I don't know if it goes smoothly, but I think he improves that football. Did you program. see that he's going to keep Mike McIntyre? I did not see that. No. I, I don't know if it's official yet. I just saw that there was a report out of Mississippi that all all indications, uh, 
All indications show that you keep Mike McIntyre. Another thing I saw, like, this is the ultimate SEC hire. Two years ago, Chris Kiffin, who is his brother, who is now an assistant coach. It makes sense why he's in the NFL. He got a show-cause penalty, like Chip Kelly, when he left Oregon, meaning you can't recruit, meaning you're kind of useless as a coach in college football. That's why a lot of guys go to the NFL. Pete Carroll got the same thing. So, But that it's not like he had a show-cause penalty at Ohio State. It was at Ole Miss, where he was whoever, Hugh Freeze's defensive line coach. Is he going to go with Lane back to Ole Miss? Because clearly they wouldn't give a shit if they hired Lane, right? They don't care. Well, it might not be up to them to care. Like, they might have to, sometimes there's like Legality, a time you can't rehire, yeah. The, the, my favorite part, like the SEC, and I'd say the Big Ten is like this too, is shady. You know, it's just, it's just full go. It's kind of like the wild, wild west. I would say that the Mississippi schools are even on a completely different level. Like, no rules, no one cares, pro-cheating, do whatever it takes. Ole Miss and Mississippi State, I mean, are well, just they, the ultimate. Because it feels like they're kind of at a disadvantage in this league where everybody just has home run hitters at every position. I think it's kind of a cool hire, and it's just yeah. the, the SEC is just, you know, a little, are you a little shocked you take it? I guess is no. Do you think he views this as a good job, or he just views this as then a stepping stone? How many jobs are going to have, uh, guy? He's had multiple SEC jobs. He's been the head coach at USC. He's been the offensive coordinator at Alabama. He's been the head coach of the Raiders. He's been the head coach at FAU. This guy's had a lot of I fucking think jobs. At the end of the day, it's a. I don't know if it's like as good. It's just a. You're the head coach at Ole Miss. I think it's probably a pretty sweet job to have. Yeah, when you think about like who you play, like you play LSU and Alabama. Who you here. play, where you are, how important football is at your at your school. Yeah, they'll give you whatever you need to try to win. So big dollars for assistant coaches. Yeah, even this year, look, they had the guy that they didn't even like that much, who's actually an alumni. Uh, what's his name? Uh, wanted to call him Rule, whatever the hell the last uh, Luke something, whoever their head coach they oh, fired. Oh, uh, Matt Matt Luke. Luke. Well, they did hire. Like, look at their two coordinators. He tried. Mike McIntyre and Rich Rodriguez. Like, that's not just like right. slappy one and slappy two. Like those guys, no. those guys are like coached BCS games, right? I mean, those guys are pretty impressive operators. I guess McIntyre hadn't, but he'd been to the Pac-12 championship game. Like those two guys right. were impressive. It's, that's that doesn't just not probably happening in the Pac-12, right? It's just not. It's not happening in most conferences. Like it would only happen in the SEC, where guys desperate. They're like, yeah, we'll pay him a million dollars to be coordinators. And Rich is probably screwed because Lane runs a different offense. Right. Mainly because Lane it's runs. okay. I yeah. think he's qualified to be a head coach. I mean. Who, Rich? Yeah, he's had some pretty good success as a head coach. You think Rich gets a head Maybe. job off this? Does he end up at like an FAU or something? I don't think they were very good this year at any level of anything. Ole Miss. Yeah. But like why? Because I don't think they had any of his. I got one. Like why this... wouldn't Memphis, you know, why wouldn't, I think he'd get a job. Yeah, I think so. Uh, can we fire through some NFLs? Yeah. Boy, your boy's hungry. Let's go rapid fire then. Go five minutes rapid fire. Jam- are we, you texted me this before I could text you this. Jameis's line? Incredible. You think that's the the uh, sirens coming to get Jameis? I don't know what's going on. Hopefully there's not. The rain has stopped here, so hopefully everyone's back to normal behavior. He, he's the he's going to be the first quarterback in NFL history that's going to throw 30 interceptions and the team feel like, you know what, he's had a pretty good season. Guy, he threw four fucking touchdowns and 500 yards, basically. I, and they won. And he made a ton of plays. And he left. I think he got hurt mid-game and he came back. 33 of 45, 425, four touchdowns, three picks. 
and win. He, one of his picks was a pick six to a middle linebacker. I de- definitely saw that highlight. He his picks were bad. So, uh, but he's he, he's unlike any roller coaster ride maybe in NFL history. Because you can't say he sucks, right? Like you can't with a straight face say he's not good. Because like Derek Carr is not good right now. G, uh, Marcus Mariota is not good. Foles was not good. Like this guy can win. I mean, the guy. They're what are they six and seven or are they five and seven? No, they were five and seven today. They're six and seven now. Are, they, are wow? I'd given up. on Are them. they going to go eight and eight when all the dust settles? Bruce Arians first year and Jameis throws th- th- first first thirty touchdown thirty pick season in NFL history. <laughs> thirty thirty club. <laughs> are they going to have a better record than the NFC East champion? There's a chance. There's a chance. They don't suck. I've watched them enough to think like they got flaws, but they do not well, suck. Do you know their point differential? Positive? Uh, well, it's funny, actually. So the teams that are closest to zero, the Colts are plus one, and the Bucks are minus three. So they're basically a coin flip game. I mean, what was the score today? 38-35? Like, they're the same team. I'd say they're the same team, except the, the, the Buccaneers, whose defense stinks, they're just much more explosive. Like, if the Colts aren't going to win a shootout. They got into a shootout with a team that they can't shoot out. The Colts, when they were winning games early in the season, their games felt more like 23 to 20, right? 21 to 17. Like, that's how they were kind of winning it. And now they've tried to explode. That's not really. Colts are going to miss the playoffs, guy. It's. At one point in time, we're like, oh, Colts are going to win the division. And I was like, are they going to win eight games? It's hard. Yeah. Andrew, please come back. The headlines. I, I'd give the Lamar Jackson and the. Say what you want. I didn't think they looked that great today, but you go on the road to Buffalo against a great defense and a team that can't really score, and you just win. And now you're 11 and two. It looks kind of. Yep. I mean, are they destined to 14 and two right now? Is that is that is that uh, division getting multiple playoff teams? Are the Steelers going to make the playoffs? Mm. They're eight and five. Duck Hodges look good. You see the Browns. You see Baker Mayfield threw his trainers under the bus. I saw Baker said people understand that it's not how I meant it. It's like Baker, how many times do you need to tweet after you say something? You sound like a media member that works for a radio station that keeps crossing the line that they keep making apologize. Like, why are you apologizing so much? Like, why why do you keep saying stupid shit? You see the report this morning that Odell Beckham wants out. Yeah, yeah. no shit. He's telling not not just that he wants out, John. That he's telling other teams and other players, other coaches and other players. Like pre, it must be. Is it pregame? Is there mics? I don't. I think someone tweeted a clip of him and Jimmy post game for that Monday night game. He did LeBron covered his mouth and whispered <laughs> some shit. Would you take him if you're the Niners uh, for a... Yeah, they don't have a second round pick. I, would I trade like pick 30 or 31? Probably not. He needs hernia surgery this offseason too. Is that the thing? So, I, I don't Probably not. Uh, you trade for him if you're the Cowboys and let Amari walk? Mm, I mean, it depends what Urban Meyer wants to do. Depends what Lincoln Riley wants to do. <laughs> I, I, Depends on what Matt Rule wants to I do. If I had to guess, their co- I think Urban Meyer is the next head coach of the Cowboys. Did you see his face last night? Like, you could tell. Like, I, I thought for the first time last night, you could see on his face, he didn't, like, I love the media talk. I loved it when I worked in the NFL. Like, I love the hypotheticals. Coaches despise that shit. And they had to do that last night. Like, does Ohio State need to make these, you know, statement wins? And he wanted, he, you could tell it, it hurt. Part of it was his team was getting his ass kicked. He kind of felt like responsible, it looked like. You could see that it was the – like, they've called a lot of regular season games. and I, Anytime on game day, if you're a coach, you're going to miss it. 
But I think in that environment, in Indy, he'd been there for, what, like five straight years? I think he, for the first time, he's like, God, I wish I was at battle right now. This is the <laughs> hold-up. And I, I think he's the next head coach of the Cowboys. That's that's way too early prediction December 8th. I'd go with Matt Rule. He's pretty damn good. I, I'd say his two losses to to Oklahoma, given clearly they have way more talent than he does, is pretty remarkable, is it not? Yeah, he's impressive, man. What do you think about his outfit? So the athletic, somebody wrote a thing about his smock. Like you can't buy it. You can't. I guess they get a lot of uh, questions about it, in like the Baylor student because people want to sport it. Bookstore. Yeah. So what is it? It's I, I forget what it's called exactly, but it's like half hoodie, half like cut off. Uh, windbreaker smock thing. Though they only they off. only make it for him. No, they just it's something you can only get in like the team catalogs, the Nike. You know anyone. But, like a coach or player can order it, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the organization can order them. But uh, they had a design, like a design expert from Baylor University, like talk about it. It's just different. Like it's cutting edge. It's different. He, he says it's comfortable. I think his thing, I think it started because his thing was like, we got to play like we practice. So he started wearing what he wore in practice for the game as like just kind of a symbol. Like we got to play like we practice. I think he's been doing that. Like since, I think he's been same. doing that since Temple. He's had the, wearing that. He's thing? had the same outfit. Oh, maybe that's where it started. Yeah. Okay. I just know I, I um, there was when they hired him, they said like, as good as he is, X's knows the reason we hired him is because he's a leader. Like we need like Baylor football needs a real leader right now, and that's well, yeah. I mean, they had players raping women, and it, like they pretended it wasn't a big deal. It, yeah, so I, I would say it's been uh, the toughest overtake job since Bill O'Brien took Sandusky. Really quick before I know you're hungry, just get out, you out of here on this. What do you think of the Irishman? I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought Pacino, Pacino, when he's yelling at people in the office, when he's trying to avoid jail as Hoffa, was one of my favorite scenes. I thought Pacino was great. Um, I thought it was cool to see Pesci kind of a little, like a toned down Pesci. Um, But also in a different role. Usually he's kind of chip on his shoulder. This, he was kind of like the boss. That's what I mean. Just like kind of not the, like, it's right. Usually the roles are flipped, like Pesci. Yeah, the chip on his shoulder. I'm going to, this was like, you fuck around. We're going to kill you. It's coming. Right. Just kind of the low key Pesci. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. I don't, I would not have enjoyed it as much if it wasn't those three guys. I don't think he could have made it with three random younger mob guys, right? Yeah, but how about Ray um, Romano? Pretty solid little camera. Romano, Ray <laughs> Romano was perfect. Yeah, Ray Romano was good. So the, I like. I really I liked it. Isn't it kind of crazy that the mob really killed JFK? Yeah, I guess I did some reading after the watch of the movie. Fourteen different people have claimed to have been the ones that killed Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, I watched a Netflix show on that a long time ago. Like they still because they never found his body, right? No one ever know. Well, you, because. Uh, Frank would tell you because we put him in a... They roasted him. That's why you haven't found oh, his yeah. body. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, just a crazy... How different the world was. Like, with the mob, think of the control they had in America, guy. Guy, they were the fucking placing the, the president. The unions. The union... But think about that the mob basically got JFK put into office. Like, that's not that's not a take. That's a fact. And then his fucking brother immediately starts going after them. It just, regardless what side you're on politics, it's why whenever politics come up, I just, it's all fraudulent. The whole thing, it's all all fake. Whether you're Republican, whether you're Democrat, it's all just bullshit. It's all over just fucking fighting over power and who's at the top of the pyramid. But no one gives a shit how you get there. Everyone takes shady routes. 
And I think that's just, it's just crazy how America, like the mob used to just play an enormous role in America, partly why, because they had all the cash, right? They just had a lot of money. Right. Well, now it's like, who plays a big role? Like Silicon Valley. Why? Because they got a lot of cash. So if you're a... Pol- well, that's where the union, the unions have all, the union had all the money too, right? all. They had a ton so, of money. So everyone wanted Jimmy Hoffa to give him cash. And he had all the access They're to They're Vegas it. hotels. It's just, it's kind of wild how society, it's it's like my dad used to always say, and sometimes whenever I stumble upon like a serial killer movie like Bundy, people are always like, America's so much worse now, it's so crazy in 2020. It's like, guys, you guys need to pick up a history book. <laughs> this crazy shit has been going on for fucking ever. Just different, you know, same same pile, different pile of shit or whatever. Just yeah. It's just crazy, you know? History does tend to repeat itself. It just, it's just different, but it's like... In different versions. Yeah. Again, the mob, say this out loud, the mob financed a president to get into office. And then he flipped... He didn't actually flip on him. His brother did. Who actually had a prostitute. I guess he wasn't a prostitute. It was just a chick. That he killed and left her at the bottom of a river. Chappaquiddick. Decent movie, by the way. But it's just like... It's just crazy. The world's just a crazy place. I love when when uh, De Niro is in the nursing home and he says to the woman who's helping him, do you know who that is? She's like, no, who is that? And he's like, Jimmy Hoffa. She's like, oh, yeah. What ab- he's like, you don't understand. What about toward the end of the movie when they're talking about the hit, the dude in Walnut Creek? Yeah, I know. I, well, I knew that was coming. I know that was coming just because I saw Twitter talking well, did about you, it. Did you read the story about it? The dude no. that went to make the hit, it turns out the guy, it shows you in like the 70s, Walnut Creek was kind of a low-key place. I mean, not saying it's still not, but it's way more populated now. They they hit a guy in witness protection in Walnut Creek. Well, he oh, couldn't okay. keep his mouth shut, and he told some people, so they moved him. So when that person sent the per, sent the hit, the, the guy's driving around Walnut Creek. The, the person wasn't there anymore. They like moved him to Palm Desert, or they just moved him somewhere. The police did. So he went there to kill him in Walnut Creek, and the the guy they were trying to kill was just not there anymore. So the hit actually gotcha. never happened, according to records. It's always crazy when they show the clip, like this guy, three shots to the head in 1970, or this guy, two shots uh, to that, the head. I thought that was genius. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> That's, that was great. And then you realize, like, oh, wait, we're in that year now, I think, and that hit's <laughs> happening in this movie. That's crazy. The one where the guy goes to the federal building, they decide they have to kill him because he didn't tell anybody he was go- What was he there for? He didn't tell anybody. And then it turns out, like, he did tell somebody. They forgot to share the information. Like, can you imagine that in twenty? Like, no, I sent. I swear to you, I sent the email. Well, I don't see it. It's pretty much if you enter a mob or a gang, there are really only two options, right? Like, dying of natural causes is not one of them. Maybe in prison, but you're gonna go to prison or you're gonna get killed, and you're gonna die in one of the two places: either killed in the street or get killed or die in prison. Like, the, the, there really aren't two. There's no like die of natural causes. You know, that's that's an outlier situation. Like your career, like in the NFL, 99% of players' careers end by getting cut. You don't get to retire on your own. <laughs> you know, you get, you join the mob, you usually die. Sometimes you retire because you're going to get cut. <laughs> yeah. You can try to hide, but they'll find you. Okay, go eat. All right. Peace. On that note. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, 
you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.